hello? Hey, you there? Where's that coming from? You Hello? Yeah. Oh, you're my internal mic now. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> okay, so you're plugging me into different parts, oh, I guess. There you go. Hello? Hello? Hey. hey, there you go. You know, I think it's this fucking cord is fucked. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Hello? what's up? Are <laughs> uh, you there? Hey, yeah, there we go. All right, you got a fucked cord, I guess. I better get a new one of those. I thought I had another one. Well, you're going to soon enough, if not. Yeah, no doubt. One sec here. Fuck. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, when I first went to record the second oh, episode I here... You. I can't hear you. We'll talk amongst ourselves. Listen to me stir my coffee annoyingly in the radio. Uh, if you knew how uh, audio-fired there was, uh, you'd enjoy this so much more. I suppose now I'll find out if this one's better or worse. Well, sounds good on this end. Hello? Yo. No, that didn't work. No? Hello? Yeah, hey. Oh, that one's fucked. Even worse. What are you getting? You're getting crossover talk? No, I just can't get... You're coming through my, uh... Hello? Yo, yo, yo. You there? You try that? Yeah, how are you? Fuck. Mm. Huh. Fuck. I can hear you. Oh, I can hear oh, you fine. There we go. That's not so bad. Okay. I'm not going to touch anything else. <laughs> yeah, don't touch your cord, Darren. Well, that's fucking annoying. How has Graham been dealing with this for so long? What is it? Is it just the uh, the audio cable? I think it's the, actually just the adapter, the quarter to eight. Oh, yeah. Oh, because you're using actual studio cables. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I think what that is is an is a XLR to quarter. Then I have to adapt it again from a quarter to an eighth. Yeah. Yeah, they don't make those things like they used to. you got to pay a lot of money to get the good ones now. just said, well, fuck it, let's just pull the trigger. Now, where the hell? Oh, that didn't do what I was expecting. I am fucking so... this. We use a PC for a Skype computer, and I don't uh, run it. So normally when you do the, the setup in your studio... You just, uh, it's Graham running the recording and you're running the, uh, or he's running the Skype and you're running all the audio equipment? Yes. I used to run it all when we used Call Recorder. I used to use Skype on the same thing. But now we've got a separate computer so we could do a proper mix minus and just gives us a lot more control over the audio. That's cool. Yeah, it took years to get there. 
That's for sure. What? Yeah, it, it's it's funny, you know. I uh, I went to broadcasting school, and uh, you know things have haven't really changed that much. But now that I'm getting back and actually looking at the uh, the processing power of you know using things, Jesus Christ, man, old equipment sucks. Oh fuck, <laughs> shitty I'm equipment going sucks. Like, oh look, I get to drag something, and now I have to wait ten minutes for the audio to load. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like what I found with Audacity. It was just like every time I ran any effect on anything, it was just driving me fucking bonkers. Yeah, that's, I mean, ultimately, and this is, I've never been a, a Mac guy, but uh, definitely for running audio, I'd like to get GarageBand. <laughs> yeah, you can get a fucking used iMac for fairly cheap. You know, but here, here, you know, maybe you'd be able to give me a heads up. I've been out of it so long, and I have not done any audio software in so long. I don't know, like, what would be adequate, you know, hardware-wise to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, I've been using a, ten, a nine-year-old Mac for three years. So, I mean, you could probably buy a Mac like this one here that I just retired for, I bet you, like, fucking 500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, five hundred bucks is still five hundred bucks, but I guess if you're going to spend five hundred bucks, I think you're better off buying like a six-year-old iMac than you are buying a brand new PC. Really, and that's just my because, opinion. and that's just because of the the software. It's if just fucking bulletproof too. No fucking viruses, no nothing. I never have a problem with any of my Macs, and I have four of them. Three of them now. Four of them now. I had three. Now I have four. Yeah. Well, my wife has one for her work. She's a designer, so she has a 27-inch. I had this old one, and then I have a laptop as well. I was eyeing one made, and shit, I can't remember who the fuck it's made by. Quantech or something, but it's a a fanless uh, PC that has solid state loaded with, like, Windows 10 for like three hundred buck quad core, you know, oh, like yeah, quad you know, core. four gig, four gig DDR, like you know, in the size of a Roku. Fanless is but, good too. But and that's what I'm looking at, just for, but I, you know, fanless. I don't know. Mind you, if but, uh, once you get, uh, once you start learning your posts, like I can cut out a fan, no problem. Oh yeah. Once you start learning, you can EQ things out, or you can use your gate on them. Or... Doing all right there, Mr. Darren? Yeah, just shut off my heater. I'll throw on my sweater. <laughs> it's fairly nice here, actually. That's awesome. See, I got a little fan going because I shut my air conditioner off. Yeah, well, it's, it's, supposed, to be, it's supposed to be 20 degrees this weekend. So, uh, yeah, so 20 degrees, that's got to be fucking times 1.8 plus 32, so 20, 20, 20 is an 18, 20 becomes an 18, so that's 38 plus another 32, so that'd be 70 degrees. That's not bad. I got, uh, my buddy Jared here, I'm going to add him in. You got him to what? Oh, I'm going to add him into the call. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I think it's as simple as doing that. Huh. 
I never know when it's ringing anymore because we shut off all the Skype noises. Oh, well, I got you guys loud and oh, clear. Perfect. Oh, good. Hold How on, sir. How's everyone? Good. Good, yeah. Nice. Not bad at all. It's a little bit drizzly over here in Toronto, but it'll get better. It rained a little here today, too, but it's supposed to be 20 all weekend. Yeah, you guys are going to get a nice one, I think. Looks like we're going to get a nice summer, hopefully. Oh, with any luck. It'll be like the second one in a row. That'd be so sweet. Are you guys getting dumped with all that snow that's hitting Ottawa? No, we've actually been quite clear, but we're just getting torrential thunderstorms and just pouring rain here at the moment. <laughs> I miss that shit. I don't. <laughs> you don't get a lot of thunderstorms and pouring rain here. No. Rain is few just, and far between. Just a lot uh, of snow, eh? Uh, in the winter, but we've been pretty mild. I mean, Calgary is kind of unique because we get Chinooks and stuff like that. Oh, that's Because true. of our position in the mountains. And then we, I, I'm pretty sure we're still considered the sunniest city in the world. Oh, nice. So, I so mean, got, so it's still cold in the winter, but the sun's always out. Like, we get 300-plus sunny days a year. Oh, yeah. We, got, uh, we just get lucky because the lake effect over here, so we don't get much snow. Just buffalo. Yeah, until the winds change. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, this is Adam's podcast. Adam, this is Jared. This is actually the first time I've ever talked to Jared, too. Hi, Adam. Oh, how are you, buddy? We're actually already recording, so... Oh, yeah? You know. Nice. How are you today, anyway? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, good to hear. What have you been up to? What are you guys talking about, anyway? <laughs> this is my well, first time I... ever on a podcast. Oh, well, it's called Friends to Know, and it's just basically friends talking, so... That's I figured cool. I was just going to take the conversations me and my friends were already having and uh, just throw them up online into a podcast form. That sounds Almost like... Almost like, uh, like if you listen to Grimerica, you know, or Joe Rogan Experience, you know... My favorite parts are just the open, free format talking, kind of just dropping in on a conversation. So. Yeah, very true. Some I figure if like I'm that. enjoying talking to somebody, somebody's going to enjoy doing nothing and listening. But of course. Yeah, it makes more sense that way. I've always enjoyed these kinds of podcasts. Uh, I know I got started. I found Joe Rogan podcast to be quite interesting at the beginning. And uh, I guess I think the first one he was talking to Duncan Trussell, and I was just like, oh, okay. This is the kind of thing that I'm into now. <laughs> yeah, I always enjoy the shrimp parades when they uh, they get him, Chris, and uh, Joe together. Yeah, that's uh, just chaos in a nutshell. Yeah, I've actually, I'm now, what am I at? I've been listening to the entire Joe Rogan catalog since one, and I'm now up to 282. Oh, yeah, that's Plus, crazy. I think like 600 and something forward on in the catalog. So hey, He's doing a good job, man. He's got it down like a fine art now. You're yep. Go, you're going through all of them? Yep. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Well, it was one of those, you know, they were impact. there was a few of them that were impactful enough that uh, I started listening to more. And I'm glad I did because, you know, I started to, to really understand a lot of uh, more subtle nuances of things that I wouldn't pay attention to, like comedy and just, uh, you know, UFC fighting things like that. So. Yeah, you pick up on everything new. I mean, uh, I got onto the Grimerica boys because of Joe Rogan as well, because he had Randall Carlson on. I oh, just found that you know what? Yeah, you're... <laughs> super fascinating yeah, that, guy. that's you know? the story everybody says. You yeah. know, I don't... Actually, tons of people. Like, I can... Google gives you pretty good analogs now. Like, I would say, like, it's probably, like, one in every five people that finds the Grimerica show finds it because of Randall Carlson. 
That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> What's crazier is now, I think, for a while, Ronald Carlson was like the biggest paradigm-shifting guest I've had on. But now I think Neil Adams has pretty much taken that spot over. I've been in contact with him ever since the interview. And, you know, and I watched those videos when you posted them on Grimerica today. Oh, that's uh, Did you watch them all or just the Europa one? Uh, I watched the Europa one fucking knocked my socks off, and I watched the Earth one, and I watched half of the Ganymede one. Oh, you're talking, about, I, talking uh, about the growing planets, eh? Yes. Oh, that, yeah, that blows my mind, and I don't doubt it at all. It seems, seems like it could be legit. <laughs> the Europa one makes it pretty hard to fucking, it makes it pretty hard to dispute. Because, I mean, I want to go over it a bit more, but you can go over the entire planet of Europa through the NASA images. Yeah. And I mean, see if you can find any place that those those lines are distorted because they're going under themselves. Well, and my bet is you're thing. not going to be able to. It just makes so much sense, especially when you see the same thing happening on the sea floor and everything. You know, I mean, now I haven't done any research, so obviously this is making all the assumptions that all the data and the video is presented accurately, but I don't have any reason to believe that it's not. So it's it's damn compelling, man. Yeah, yeah well, the pair production like shit is all legit. So okay, and that was my big thing. That the, so the so we know that that pair so we know pair production creates mass and matter. Well, I uh, I don't know about that much of it. I don't know if let me see. I'm on the book of knowledge here. Yeah, that's getting quite deep into it. Is the creation of an elementary elementary particle and its antiparticle, for example, creating an electron and positron. Air production of the nucleus. Yeah, so that's the Referred to any neutral boson. So, I mean, when you start talking about bosons, you're talking about the building blocks of matter, aren't we? The threshold in order to create the pair. Yeah, it's just a matter of figuring out where that extra matter comes from, I guess. It's well, very, this uh, is interesting because his idea. Well, basically, is that it's turning energy into matter. Well, I, that's what I was going to say. And so the idea is that you have the interaction of two things that are moving next to each other and that that interaction... And we already know and, the opposite is possible, right? We know we can make incredible amounts of energy out of particles of matter. Well, that we definitely yeah. do. So why wouldn't we be able to use incredible amounts of energy? Like, that's what Neil's saying is only places like the sun can create the amount of energy required in order to make pair production happen. But, I mean, one day, there's no reason. I mean, if you're looking at a Star Trek fucking replicator, that's got to be the same technology. Not the same technology, the same, uh, I don't know what the word is, process. Could it happen in the Earth's core, perhaps? Yeah, that's exactly well, what he's that, saying. That's, yeah, that's his, his just... postulation that there's some sort of plasma plasma creation down there that's going on with like uh an increase in pair productions that's constantly accelerating yeah how much do we really know about the earth though i mean we've only been down a couple of maybe 200 kilometers into the crust well, we don't know a whole lot oh and not even that just just look at science as a whole you know if you look at everything we think we know we always think we know something and then we learn something else and then everything we thought we knew is it's almost like we unlearned it and we learned something completely. It's like a new reality. Yeah, you know, the Earth was flat, sense. the Earth was round, you know, there was no such thing as warped space-time. Now there's gravity waves. 
Yeah, it keeps changing. It never, uh, it never stops evolving, literally. We keep from, figuring out new things. From what I can see here, pear, pear production is pretty... I mean, in Britannica, pear production is a direct conversation of radiant energy... Conversion of radiant energy to matter. Um, RYUC... Pair production is a phenomenon of nature where energy is converted to mass. So I'm saying pair production is legit. I would so, think it was too. So to me, that means why? So the, if, if we can create matter that way, then what? There's no reason that anyone can say that it couldn't be happening well, at the Earth's core. Since we mentioned Randall Carlson, it'd be interesting to see what his take is on this. I mean, he's really open-minded. I should text him. I mean, just watch the video. I mean, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll send him the video. I, I, that's a good point. I would be interested to hear his take on it. I mean, what, the other thing that interests me is you wonder if these smaller and less dense things, like we know the moon's only, what, 190th the density of Earth or whatever it is. That might be a little extreme, but it's something in that. Well, I thought that brought up some kind of, it brought up a good argument for uh, why the creatures were so big on Earth once upon a time. 65 yeah. million years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I mean, and I if, mean if the Earth was smaller, then perhaps the the gravity was less so that the creatures could be larger. And it seems like the magnetic field plays a role. So if you somehow lost your magnetic field, because, I mean, it's the, it's the ball of iron spinning at the center of the Earth that's causing the magnetic field. Yeah. So if that somehow stops spinning, you pretty much, I'm assuming you couldn't have pear production anymore. Well, he doesn't even think that there's iron at the core. He thinks that there's some sort of plasma generation in there. No, he thinks it's iron. Oh, he does think it's yeah. iron? I'm pretty sure, oh. yeah. He says, because he says that's what's generating Mars's magnetic field, and it's weak. So, I mean, you could take that one step further and say Mars is a tiny planet because its magnetic field is weak. And Jupiter is a giant planet because its magnetic field is enormous. And then, oh, so I guess the, so Jupiter, Jupiter would be growing as well. That would make yeah, sense. Yeah, Jupiter, though. basically, Jupiter now would uh, will eventually become its own sun. Well, and all the very moons that's very 2001-ish. It'll start <laughs> spitting out, once it becomes a sun, it'll start spitting out its own fucking, doing starting its own pair production shit, and it'll In other start words, growing its moons into planets. The, the, in, what that means is that the universe truly can be eternal and ever-expanding and always growing, and that it's not going to fade into nothingness. No, it just keeps going. And it always has. And, and it, it always, always has. Giant cycles. It did, well, his, well, what he likes to say is it did this one thing one time. Oh, okay. And that was all it ever did. And that's all yeah. it's ever going to do. But that makes sense. Cause it made pair production or Big Bang or whatever the fuck happened. Yeah, I've talked about it here. Have Have I talked to you, Darren, about the book called uh, Struck by Genius? No. It's about a guy named Jason Pageant who was mugged, and um, he got brain damaged and started having synesthesia afterwards. And one of the things that he sees with synesthesia is he sees fractals and how things connect. So it's kind of hard to explain, but he explains everything being connected with triangles and geometry and... Uh, the guy, at least in my mind, after reading the book, is completely legit. But it, when you have when you have an understanding of a world that could truly be fractal, in in the sense of what a fractal truly is, the deeper you go, the more you break it down. You know, the smaller you get, the more you look. There's always going to be something there. In the same way that the universe can always grow and always expand, 
Yeah, to me, you know, that, it, it, would, to me, it would make sense that the universe would also be fractal in that same type of a way, that it just, it, it would always, always be able to grow, you know what I mean? Yeah, but then, I mean, when you start talking about that, it makes you wonder about, that's kind of the same way uh, computing works and simulations. Mm-hmm. Like, is the inside of a tree there before you cut it open? Exactly. Well, even think about this, in in. I don't know if this relates to to pair production per se, but maybe quantum theory. Um, when you have, well, you listen to the podcast on emergence. I talk about it every time I talk on this podcast. Yeah, I listen to but, it. Yeah, but you have the idea that through a specific movement or a pattern, or not even necessarily a pattern, but your a pattern is creating. A, um, a form of order, and through that order, some sort of social behavior develops. So whether it's either cells developing to work together as organs in your body, or a single ant walking that you know can eventually, through that movement, find food and develop you know culture, and the same thing with us that we develop cities and money and you know all these different you know financial institutions and corporations and technology, and when you kind of look at like all the things that we do fractally. And you looked at, like, you know, the way that our vehicles driving look like, you know, their veins going in the road in the same way that, you know, like the blood travels in your body or flows through a leaf or, you know, uh, you know they, they move in the same way that rivers do, that all these things kind of, you know, relate together. It just, it kind of makes you wonder, like, at least with me, that, you know, when you start thinking of things like that, what are we part of? Because if the cell is part of, I'm, I'm getting lost here in my thoughts. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole, yeah, because it's, it's just the whole idea that, you know, if, if, if through a specific set of movements, like an ant walking, and you have 10,000 ants and they walk that path, and after doing that, they have the ability to start wars and agriculture and be able to build, we're doing the same thing. And the more that we move around and travel and create cities, we're developing this this whole other, almost like a life form. So in the same way that like the cell doesn't really know what we're doing, and we and the ant really doesn't understand what the human's doing, you know, we're part of this other thing in a fractal way where we're moving away, you know, moving along in these ways, making pathways, you know, almost like it's that movement that's causing some sort of like a quantum information. I don't know. Well, there seems to be patterns in the chaos. You know, I was reading something today about how uh, somebody's take on how chaos theory had a better idea of of that kind of stuff than uh, science does. Chaos magic, maybe it was, which I don't even really know what that is. I listened to the Skeptico podcast on chaos magic, which was really, really good. That was a couple weeks ago. Have you listened to that one, Darren? What was that? Sorry, I asked if you had listened to the uh, the Skeptigo podcast. Who is on, it with? Uh oh, it's I. Um, Let me check. Yeah, I need to look. I listened to most of the Skepticos, so I don't see was, why it was, I on, it was on Chaos Magic. Hey, did you read that a uh, math article that I sent you? Yes, I did. This is a little easier to talk about. I want, you know, 
much easier than what I was trying to explain. Before. We're going into fractals, and that's, that boggles anybody's mind. Yeah, well, yeah, a fractal. Yeah, going into a fractal is just fractal. It's. <laughs> I watched but, something you know, about synesthesia yesterday. Shit, I can't remember what that one is either. I smoked too much pot. Well, I'll hey, remember model- it again tomorrow. But uh, whatever I was watching last night, it was something on Netflix, and it just fucking made synesthesia just click for me. Was it was it a documentary called Wake Up? No. If you get a chance, we talked about it on the podcast. Red turned me on to it. Really good. It's about a guy who starts seeing like angels and demons and energy fields around people. And he kind of goes on a religious travel to talk to religious leaders. But you kind of, at least me watching it, like you believe the guy. Like you, you end up going, okay, this guy's seeing shit. And he's explaining it, and there's something else there. It's a really good documentary. I, I think it's very synesthesia-like in which he's sensing something that, that you know, is actually there, but uh, not accessible to everybody. Did you ever see, like, The Waking Life? No. That's a good one. It's animated. I'm going to add that. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I wasn't anywhere near the path I'm on now when I watched it. When I watched it, uh, I I remember I wasn't super impressed with it. But when I think back at it now, it's basically, uh, it's like this animated version of some guy's journey through like the afterlife. Or it's not even, you never even really know it's the afterlife. But it's uh, at the end of it. No, I'm not even sure if it is the afterlife. But anyway, yeah, spoiler alert. At the end of it, I think it turns out he's been hit by a car or something. And this entire fucking experience was the eight minutes or whatever your brain stays alive after you've died. Oh, cool. The whole because, idea of the afterlife is just insane in itself. You know, yeah. They, they talk about it all through the ancient cultures, believing that they would go to some sort of heaven or a hell. Either way that you look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but it's, it could be anything. We have no idea. Our brains can't really comprehend that much. We we maybe just wake up one day and you just realize that the last one was just a full dream. Like we have yeah. no idea. Well, that's the thing that the fact that we even postulate questions like that and that people go and watch the Matrix and go out just even just questioning, you know, like I wonder. That's enough for you to just really wonder. That is absolutely enough. That other side of it makes okay. me think, too, though. I mean, if you can go and, like, you know, you have those dreams sometimes. You, like, wake up in the morning and it's, like, you know, 10 after 7 and you don't really have to get out of bed till 20 after 7. So you just, like, drift off back to sleep. And then you have this dream that seems like it goes on for fucking six hours. Yeah. And you wake up and it's seven eleven. But they say that's the best time to have your uh, your lucid dreams is in the mornings, just after you wake yeah, up. Again. After you wake up and go back to bed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so if time can be completely, if time's irrelevant in the dream state, I think then, time is irrelevant in an experiential state too. So then that means that the the afterlife, NDEs, all of that could be just those eight minutes your brain still kicking. Wouldn't that be a trip? And then after that, it is just, you know, after that, maybe you are just a biological Well, robot. how's this? In Japan, they're doing research with people when they've clinically died. Now, I'm I think not it's saying over I in, believe that for the record. 
Well, but no, no. Here's what's interesting. In in Mount Fuji, they have I forget what it's called. It's it's like Suicide Mountain or something, because all these people go there to commit suicide. It's really creepy. Like I've seen camera crews that go through there, and you see like tents that are set up. They're just old and weathered with like a dead body inside, or people hanging from trees. There's like letters left everywhere. There's it's a just place known like that for, in Vietnam too. Is there? Well, this place gets notoriously cold. So they have a person that goes around and they have to check to find bodies and stuff. And they found a lady who had gone there, took a bunch of pills, I guess, but she went out and it got super, super cold. Well, these scientists were testing out this new way of reviving people. And so they kept her in a super cooled state and they slowly, they like immersed her in a solution or something, but they slowly started raising her body temperature up. And once her body temperature hit like a certain peak, all of her body functions came back on and started working. And she had been dead for like two days, frozen. So the idea of what clinically dead now is compared to what it used to be, they're like, okay, well, if you die within so many hours and things haven't started to rot and you can get the person cold, they're talking about maybe being able to revive a person up to a week later or longer so just by the, then bringing the, the, the warmth back up in their body, yeah, which is then crazier because now, holy shit, you got a gunshot – we need to do a major surgery, not at this hospital. Cool that guy down. He's now going to stay in stasis for six more days, and we transport him to the hospital. Yeah, that's the whole idea of the cryogenics as well. You freeze But then what is consciousness? Of... <laughs> you know, what is consciousness? Because everything was dead I suppose in that you need. Time. I suppose you need to know what the fuck was going on while that, that guy's frozen. You need to talk to that chick. Well, and, and find out where she was for those two days. Exactly. And when you talk to those people, you get stories about where they've been. But what I find interesting is they found something with when the body heats up too quickly or doesn't, you know, or something along those lines with the temperature, if it's not done right, that everything starts oxidizing really quickly. So it's almost like it has to be done in a very certain way. Otherwise, you just you're going to fry everything. Hmm. So, but hey, we this is what I want that to mention. That's something we could try with cats and shit. We could. Yeah. We can well, practice. no, I mean, honestly, if you have like, yeah, if you had, yeah, if, yeah, if you had the ability to have a portable cooling system for like an animal, you could definitely have that go out for, for like road injuries and stuff to bring them back and test. Something where you knew the animal wouldn't make it. Yeah, something where you knew the animal wouldn't make it. Yeah, well, not even for pets necessarily, but <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean for like game and wildlife. You know, they go out and they have like a, a really injured animal that they have to get 10 miles back in. Makes you wonder if like, you know, those little birds when it gets so fucking cold out. I wonder if those things can just freeze solid, fall to the ground, you know, kind of unfreeze enough when it warms up a bit and just continue on. I suppose that would have been documented by now. We have uh, iguanas that do that in trees down here when it gets cold enough. They start falling out of the trees. And they wake up and walk off? If they don't get too cold, yeah. Dude, I just saw a roadkill iguana today that was about two and a half, three foot long. Jesus fucking Christ. And it was bad, yeah. He got hit and his guts came out his his mouth. Those things are just running around, eh? Yeah. Do they bite or anything? Oh, fuck yeah. Really? Yeah, they, they carry salmonella. They'll bite you. Their bite's not really the worst of it, though. It's the tail. If you get one of the big ones, they'll fucking break your leg, man. Jeez. And we got Gosh, some of them, like, there's, there's one where I drive by to work. 
along you the fuck ocean. Up in their class. Yeah, I drive along the ocean in the intercoastal, and there's one along there that's probably four and a half foot long. So when he crosses the road, like you got to stop. I don't know if I would take on. That's almost like oof, that thing probably weighs the same as me. Yeah, and they're like, when that's my thing. Is if I outweigh something, I think I can take it. Once it yeah. once shit starts outweighing me, it's pretty tough. And it's got spines and it has claws. Yeah, and it's got that a don't sound brain. like fun. I don't have that kind of shit around here. Yeah, and yeah. its its tail is a club. Yeah, two meters is almost a small alligator. Yeah, and we have those. Have you seen those fucking Komodos get up on the two legs when they get going? Can you imagine that thing bearing down on you? Not a chance. Not a chance. No. Well, that's what they say with... uh, In Australia, if you're getting chased by a crocodile or one of those large lizards, you have to run in zigzags. Because that's the only way they get confused. They can't run in straight lines, apparently. Well, it's because they they run much faster in a straight line. So when you run in a zigzag, they just have a harder time adjusting yeah i mean that and so here's the thing that is true to to a certain extent like but it's like anything else you want to do misdirection but you just don't want to run in zigzags because (laughs) i mean the real key is get the fuck away from it as fast as you can because when they lunge at you they the real power is in that first like 10 20 feet when they just come barreling out of the water straight at you it's all in the tail yeah, it's scary, man. I I went to school with the kid who was uh who died. He uh they had a memorial up right here in in town. They were out canoeing during mating season, and they got out of their canoes to go around some uh some fallen logs or debris, and uh, he got taken. Oh jeez, what the yeah. fuck? What? That's a harsh way to go. Yeah, yeah, kid. I went to school with. Got and his taken dad was by what? Too, man. He got eaten by an alligator. Jesus fuck. It's not the way yeah. to go. No. no. Did you guys see that video on your Facebook that went around? Uh, some guy was on the beach waving to his friend, and a killer whale just come up and took him. No. Gone. Gone. Over. Yeah, I saw that one a couple of days ago. but I Ate him? Did... Just ate him, yeah. Took him into the ocean. That was the end of him. Oh, he didn't come back? No. I thought whales not didn't Jonah. fucking eat people. Yeah, I'll have to find that one for you, Darren. I'm going to find it right now. <laughs> it was just a pretty nice stuff, man. fucking see a man get eaten by a... Well, fuck, I mean, when you keep keep them in cages for so... You can only keep them in cages for so long before they get pissed. Oh, this one was oh, out in the hey, wild. speaking of which, you're having Phil on. Yeah, not till May. I'm going to I'm gonna send you some questions and stuff for him. That's something I wanted to talk to you about, the show, your show. Either privately or... Because I know you used to have the backstage up. Like, I don't know if you'd be interested, because there's guests of yours that I follow separately, like Lynn McTaggart or him that I'm really interested, that I think it would be a value if, you, like, just, you know, because, like, Lynn's book, there's a couple of questions that I'd really like to ask or just to send you that I think would be beneficial, if you felt they were beneficial, too. I just don't know how to do that, because I'm like, oh, shit, well, Lynn's going to be on. Well, I'll just make sure I write some questions down for Darren. But it'd be cool if there was just a place to kind of look to always kind of see that, so you could just, like, I don't know. Well, you can just come on the show. I could do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like knowing instead of going like, oh, Phil's going to be on because I found out on Twitter. Oh, well. You know, like being able to look like, oh, oh, well, they're going to have so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Hey, he might want to ask this guy about this because he had a research project with so-and-so on XYZ. I don't know. 
Yeah, Graham's supposed to still be doing that. Okay. I guess he's not. I thought we had said we were still going to keep the backstage updated, just so people, just for that reason, so people knew who was coming up. You know, honestly, I haven't checked in a couple weeks, so I'll go check. But I find it interesting just for that. I'm sure other people do too. It can't be the only one. How'd you guys go with Eric Von Daniken the other other day? Uh, all this shit says this video of these people getting eaten is fake. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to tell with these videos. Well, Darren, have you seen the Harper Eagle eating a, or uh, killing a sloth? Oh. What's a sloth? A giant sloth? A giant sloth. Those fuckers ain't around anymore, are they? I can find this on YouTube. Yeah, they are. Well, I don't know. Giant. What do you define? I don't know. A giant a sloth. Eagles. I think they were like a harpoon eagle feet has like tall. a wingspan like of eight feet. Damn, <laughs> they're huge. Bigger yeah, than those a bald giant eagle? sloths are well and truly gone. Yeah, sloths are like are like children. They're like three feet tall or something. Oh, this is little baby sloth. You got bald? Is that bigger than a bald eagle? Oh fuck yeah! It's the biggest eagle in the world. Bigger, they're no. I thought a golden eagle was the biggest eagle in the world. Harper eagle. Yeah, I'm looking if at that video not... now. That eagle is absolutely huge. <laughs> Let's put it in the. Uh, do something. Do something. You could email it to me. Well, I can. I can put. It, I got it. And it's got to copy it. It'd be easier if you put it. Emailed it to me. I don't want to do anything on this shitty PC. Like, if you put it in the Skype window, it's going to pop up on my PC, and then I'm going to try and yeah. play it, and Skype's going to crash. I'm a fucking idiot. I, I, the last three Skypes we've done with the podcast, I've not read messages, not seen things. I don't know how to use the messaging thing. Oh, nice. Yeah, I keep missing everything. So, oh, what's your, uh, what's your email? Darren at Grimerica.com. Oh, yeah. <coughs> uh, Eric Von Donneken was good. You know, it's amazing how how still eager he was uh, at 82 or whatever the fuck he is. Yes, yeah, it was, must have been good to have him on and to have a chat to him at least. Yeah, it was good. I mean, there's a story there because, I mean... You didn't throw any markers or anything? <laughs> books? Any pens? What? And you didn't throw any markers or pens or... What's... I don't get that. I don't, get I don't know. I... Graham had told me that there was a story about you and throwing something in Eric Von Daniken. I can't remember. Oh, well. Probably, I, I drank quite a bit that weekend. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, Ancient Aliens is kind of what... I've seen a UFO, too, but I didn't really care about that so much. But I really got into that Ancient Aliens. Yeah, that was the And then I, I was the first six when there was only six of them. And uh, I got into that, and I, I really got into that. And then I was listening to Mysterious Universe quite a bit at the time, too. And uh, they mentioned that Paradigm Symposium, and that the Ancient Aliens guys were going there. So, I mean, that's why that's why we decided to go to that Paradigm Symposium. If we wouldn't have gone to that Paradigm Symposium, we probably never would have made the podcast. Oh, that's... So, I mean, chariots of the Gods. I mean, I read the book. I got right into that. Watched all the ancient aliens and decided I wanted to go meet Eric Von Daniken. And then the next thing you know, we really? have a fucking 170 episodes of the podcast. 
How does your and podcast... we're inter- interviewing Eric Von Daniken. How yeah. does that How does that work so... with you? Because it all and I don't want to woo woo is not the right word, but I'll just say love and light. I'll go with Adam's view. It always seems on the show that 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 uh, Glenn or not. Fuck, am I saying Glenn? Glenn. Yeah, Glenn. I'm just Glenn. Glenn. Glenn Dunlop. <laughs> that, that Graham is always, you know, the love and light. You're the science. Yeah, pretty much. But so like that, like kind of flips it on its head to me where it's like, okay, well, Darren wanted the aliens and, you know, you know, Graham's doing C-SETI. Yeah, well, I don't, I think C-SETI's a crock of shit. I think, <laughs> I don't think ancient aliens is a real thing either. To be perfectly honest, I was totally convinced with the ancient aliens for a while, but then uh, it seemed to drag on a bit and found. Yeah, I mean, there's that. some weird shit there, and I'm not ruling it ruling it out. But I, all of that to me points to more of uh, maybe an unexplained ancient civilization. Like I think even more than people are saying these hunter gatherers at Gobekli Tepe, you know, they were a little more advanced and they were gathering at this place to worship whatever. But I think I'm thinking more like 30, 40, 50,000 years ago, maybe more. We're talking about super civilizations. Yeah. Well, as as advanced or more, more advanced than we are today and a, a lot more spiritual. Well, they ha if you just look at a few things that the ancient aliens present, and that is, you know, um, some of the more, I should say, some of the more compelling things, which are the stories that people tell, how they relate to each other over the world. That's the kind of stuff that that interests me more. And then you have some of the, the high technology, some of the building things. So you, you have some of these great things that were done already. So, I mean, we, we clearly had some sort of civilization, <laughs> you know, and then with all these stories, the way I look at it, it's it's either that, yeah. The alien idea is a compelling one, but it's just as compelling that it could have been high man tech, you know, high technology that man had back then. I like to be the case. I like to think of it like I don't know if you've ever seen on (coughs) any of these documentaries of these. Like, I think there's some in Brazil. I don't think there's any left in Africa, but maybe in Brazil and uh, South America, there's still pockets where there's these these fucking tribes that are still untouched. They have you know, they're, as far as they're concerned, it's fucking 10,000 years ago or 50,000 yep. years ago. You know what I mean? They have zero technology, zero contact with the world. And you can see when they're filming them from this plane, you can see a couple of them noticing it and pointing at it. And, or, in, you know, there's probably still islands out there where this kind of shit is happening, too. And I'm sure they see our planes and whatever flying over. And when we get fucking smashed by a comet again... Me and you probably not going to do so good no. when there's no food at the grocery store or fucking whatever, right? Well, you know what? I'll say the most compelling piece of evidence that I've ever seen from the ancient aliens is that map that was found that has like Antarctica, but it has the actual, you know, the 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 land mass of Antarctica, not oh, the, the ice mass. The Perry Race map. Yeah, yeah that's completely cargo, mapped out. But that could just allude to ancient civilization too i think it probably does more so in that so this is exactly what i was going to say darren it it alludes to either somebody had high functioning map technology right in other words they were able to see things from the sky or somehow you know map it out very you know accurately on the ground you know you had some or you had high high you had um accurate ground penetrating radar back then you know or it was aliens or it was remote viewing or, oh, you know, no, but here's just, the thing. 
Occam's razor says they're just smarter than we thought they were. Well, the point I'm making is no matter what the answer is, it's absolutely goddamn amazing. You know, regardless of it is, you know, no matter what that answer is, you know, I happen to think that, you know, it's, yeah, could it be aliens? Well, maybe, and the stories seem to lend credence to that, and maybe there is a contact from outside. Well, I thought you were going to say the cargo cults, because to me, that's the most compelling for actual alien contact. What do you mean by cargo cult? Like, Are you talking uh, like, uh, like cargo the, uh, wearing were, box during, cargos? No, during World War II, when you had uh, all of a sudden these these islands in the Polynesians in the South Pacific that had never, ever seen fucking airplanes or white people or anything. But all of a sudden during the war, they became crucial staging grounds for runways, supply depots, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And these people always got the, when the soldiers came, they always gave them shit. They were real, you know, they were nice to the locals. So then um, when they left, they even found these people making fake planes out of straw and shit and worshipping it, hoping that these planes are going to come back with their supplies, with their, you know, these guys aren't having canned meat or whatever the fuck. You know, I don't know what the troops were eating back in the 40s, but it's still probably better than eating fucking fish and bark and coconuts again. They might have been on the spam ham. Yeah, it could have been spam. I wonder if I had teriyaki back then. I hear teriyaki's That's new. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that. That's so fascinating. That, that to me is some of the more compelling evidence that it was aliens. That's definitely great evidence. It shows you how. It just shows you how susceptible we are to wanting. But at the same time, was it aliens or was it just some cruel motherfucker on the planet that just decided well, to build a spaceship and then land it somewhere? Or was it just, you know, was it just maybe this already happened? Like I say, if we got wiped out today, none of us are going to do too good. There's too many of us crammed into cities and, you know, the amount of people that live, that survive in North America is going to be a lot slimmer than the amount of people that survive in these untouched, living off the land, hunter-gatherer societies. I agree. They're probably going to almost do 100% survival. Well, that's right. And, you know, or say we wipe ourselves out because of war, and they're watching planes going over your head, shooting their shit out of the sky, and then there were no more people. Yeah, well, it's definitely possible that we could have, the hunter-gatherers could have co-inhabited with some other hominid species that was far more intelligent. It's happening right now. Yeah, I think they've figured the scientists are figuring out that the chimps are starting to move into the Stone Age or something like that. Are they really? Well, yeah. So they're so I've yeah, they found I've watched videos of chimps learning to drive golf carts. Now they weren't learning to drive them well, but just by watching <laughs> a human do it, they were getting behind the wheel, turning the steering wheel, hitting the gas, and driving them and attempting to drive them well. I but actually heard like, they were starting to like worship or something as well. Well, I think, yeah, I think that there was something to do with, like, mourning their dead. And they've got, you know, obviously they have them using, you know, rocks and stuff. So they're talking about them using stone tools. And there was a monkey that they had. They talked about this on the Joe Rogan experience, about a monkey that had, like, a spear. And he was trying to stab a fish in the water, but he wasn't able to. I uh, couldn't get the light refraction through the water. But that that kind of makes sense from a physiological standpoint. Oh, yeah, standpoint. he was spearing they, fish. I remember that. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Huh. He scooped him right off of there. Oh, you're talking about the Harper Eagle? Yeah. Dude, yeah, he got him good, didn't he? It has knives on its fucking feet. 
Imagine that that could be that could be your little daughter after climbing a tree. (laughs) Oh. Again, hit by a truck. Yeah, they found uh, a cave that was millions of years old that um that had all these skulls in it. I forget what uh what species of um of hominoid it was, but it was some sort of hominoid species. And they couldn't they couldn't figure out what these markings on were them to figure out what predator was eating them. But on all the insides of the skulls, they found these scrape marks on the inside of the eyes. And they've been able to, through history, look at Harper Eagles today. And Harper Eagles, the first thing that they do when they kill their prey is they eat the eyes and they scoop them out and you get these very distinctive scraping marks on the inside of the skulls. So they've been able to show that like millions of, you know, at least like a million years ago, that Harper Eagles, maybe it wasn't a million years ago, a couple hundred thousand. Anyways, that Harper Eagles were hunting, you know, homo sapien like creatures. Just, just which, picking up which, these small kind of humans. Well, it makes sense to me because when like an airplane or a helicopter flies over, like I instantly just get like that, that. That hair stand up, feeling to duck, just instant shot of adrenaline, which makes no sense coming out of nowhere because I've never been fucking attacked by a thunderbird before. I don't really <laughs> like birds either. I figured it's because they used to be dinosaurs. Well, dude, they were fucking jacking our ancestors and eating their eyeballs out. I mean, that's terrifying. You could just be walking along and get jacked just the way that that sloth did. Fuck that. I'll fuck <laughs> that eagle up. <laughs> No, maybe not. I gotta. I don't like birds. They're dinosaurs. That's a big eagle, man. I got bit in the face by a car when I was a kid. Dude, that's nasty. Yeah. Were, was were you fucking up. with it? No, I didn't like it though. My mom was trying to put it on my shoulder. Ah, uh, yeah. It fucking was on my hand, and it crawled up my arm, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" And then I was on my shoulder, biting my face. You get a scar so from I it? I threw it on the fucking ground. Uh, I th- I might have. I don't know, you know. It bit me in my nose. Probably. My nose is pretty scarred up. Things are nasty, man. They'll take your finger off. I scratched some chicken pox when I was a kid on my nose, too. So. Oh, yeah. I got some scars on my forehead from chicken pox. Now there's guys. a vaccine for that. <laughs> there's a vaccine for everything. Oh, so... Yeah. This is what I was going to mention. Um, I sent you that article on coin flips and prime numbers. Uh, Jared, have you heard about this uh, this new theory that was proposed and tested on prime numbers? No, recently? I haven't. So it used to be thought that prime numbers relations to each other were completely random. Yeah. But somebody did this thing, and it was a new theory that was applied to coin flips. So if you if, – and you can test this. It's awesome. If you take a coin and just flip it, you have a 50% chance of having heads and tails. But if you then say you land on tails, the chances of you landing on tails again instead of heads is not 50%. It's 65%. So this is a weird mathematical aberration. Nobody knows how to explain it, but if you do this and just start flipping a coin, so the same thing happens with prime What is that saying, that the odds are better that you go heads, tails, heads instead of heads, heads, heads? Well, okay, so if you flip a coin, you have a 50% chance of being heads and tails. Yes. If I then flip a coin again, that coin that I just flipped has a 
percent chance of being tails if the coin flip was already tails. No, it doesn't. See that? Unless, yes, it does. So this is something thing. to do with the observer effect. If, did they did the prime number thing t- to four billion or something? Did they didn't do that? What did they do no, the no, coin toss no. to? Uh, no, the I coin don't toss. buy the coin toss thing. They didn't do it enough times. It's just no. Darren, no. Darren, Darren, do it. Do it. I, I don't it. have enough time to do to flip a million coins. No, you, no, Darren, you don't have to flip a million because normally you'll but see you it do. this way. No, no, no. To get, to get the percentage right, you got to do it a million times. Okay. Well, yes, but here's the thing. It's not the same thing because normally if you would flip a coin, you'll see it very easily. If you just do flip, you'll have 50% of the time heads and tails, and it should end up four times. You'll flip the coin six times instead. Anyways, it doesn't matter. They've, the I prime number thing is spooky. Well, so the thing is, it's the exact same relationship, Darren. So no, that same thing not. with the – yeah, it is. If you have the same – I'm not trying to argue with you, but it's like the relationship between that second flip is the same thing with prime numbers. So prime numbers are completely – supposed to be completely random. We can find no connection. But if you have a prime number that no, ends we, in – We in, couldn't in, find a connection until now. Right. But if you take – No, so we can't find no connection. So math – the thing about prime numbers is, is they've always been there. Right. Well, here's so, how they I mean, found the connection. So, I mean, we just couldn't though. find it. But here's how they found the connection. Somebody did this coin flip thing. So they were doing the statistic on coin flips, and they said, holy shit, when you do this coin flip, when you do the relation to the second, it's 65%, and that doesn't make sense. Somebody then applied the same thing to prime numbers to see if there was a relationship. Now, prime numbers are so much more than just a coin flip of 50-50, They're but static. that's why they had to run it out. Prime to numbers are, numbers. I think the difference is that a coin toss isn't something that static and prime numbers are. All the well, prime numbers in the fucking that exist, period, are already have a ha- are here, have always been here, and will always be here. Yes, but so you okay? So it's the relationship, though. I think that you're missing. So I am because, missing the relationship. So here, I'm just going to write it out for myself. So you have heads, tails, right? And that okay? So when you have so if but you, I'm looking at it as they can't be compared because one's a noun and one's a verb. Uh, that's a weird way of rationalizing it, but yeah, I see what you're saying. It's like saying. a metaphor, you know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Let me just explain it real quick, and maybe it'll make sense. Okay. If it's fifty-fifty heads tails, and then if I flip the coin again, the chance of it being tails are sixty-five percent. When they take a prime number. And they say, okay, we have a prime number that ends in the number, what was it? It was uh, fucking, if it ends in the number nine, it has a 65% chance more likely that the prime number is going to be followed by a one than a nine. So that a, same But we already 100% know what the next number is going to be. Right, you don't. On the but, coin toss, we don't. No, but on a prime number, I'm saying we do 100% know what the next prime number is going to be. No, I don't, and maybe you no, don't, but... Right, no, but what I'm saying... No, see, you're, you're still missing it. Even though they know what that number is, right? If you run the statistics, and this is running it out to 4 billion to get... It should be like in that thing, you should get 50-50 with coin flips. You should always get 50-50. But when they, when they do it, they come up with the 65%. And when well, they apply what that... What, what I'm arguing with is who says it should be 50-50? Because whoever the fuck made the universe said that it shouldn't be. No. See, this... So this, okay, so you know how quantum mechanics is all fucked up and weird, how things yes. disappear and reappear, 
and things go back in time. And I, I will, I will, con- I would concede that the observer effect could be affecting the coin toss. Well, in, yeah, but the observer effect is not affecting prime numbers. No, no. See, this is that, what, prime numbers to me are like the alphabet. What I'm trying to explain though is what they've done is they can. The way that I read it in this article, and it wasn't just one person, it was a series of mathematicians that have done, because you, you can have algorithms that run that flip a coin, and you just have it flipping uh, that the coin. That doesn't count. That yes, does it, not count. But hold on, Darren. Okay. It counts because it's, it's, uh, I, this, it's so hard, I, I'm having a really hard time explaining it because it doesn't make sense, but the data appears. So if you have two numbers that have a relation, so I guess what I'm saying is, okay, it doesn't make sense because there's a 50% chance that this coin is going to be heads or tails. But if I flip a coin again, the chances that that coin to be heads or tails are still 50%, but relate, the relationship one to the other flip changes it somehow, right? What I'm saying is that there is a very fundamental understanding of mathematics that we don't quite get because when we do simple things like this and we run the statistics, we come up with an aberration. And I don't think that means that it's fucked up and it's not right. What I think that means well, is that, yeah, this is working, but we don't quite understand what's changing the statistics here. Because just like in the prime numbers, it still doesn't determine whether or not there's going to be a prime number. But they go, well, no, it's no longer a, a 50-50. It's no longer a completely random chance which a 50-50% chance would be, we're now getting a 65% chance. And the percentage on the prime numbers is exactly the same as the percentage on the coin flip. So it's one of these, and it could also be like I was talking about before, that it's just fractal, that you have a relationship that's showing up in the coin flips that also shows up somewhere else that can show up in another you know, form of you know, mathematics or nature, and that we're just noticing these aberrations. Or it's just classic case of humans noticing patterns where there's not really patterns. Well, or think about it this way. What if we are actually living in some sort of simulated universe? There is some sort of underlying computing or just the natural functioning of the universe with the way matter and pair productions, that, there, that there's something underlying it in that when you start running these numbers, you're almost like looking into the code and you go. And the code is the seed of life. That's like the scaffolding that the entire program is written on. Well, think about it this way. Just like we were talking about pair productions and the Earth expanding and being looked over, this could just be one of those simple things. Because if, if well, let's go on a simple if, Aaron. If the article I sent you is accurate, that this coin flip thing is true, and the computer simulations back it up, then there is a simple fundamental understanding of mathematics that we don't understand. Because, but th- and now this is why it makes me excited. Because I was kind of thinking about this in the same relationship as it goes to, like, good and evil. Because you have, like, this idea that, you know, there's always light and dark or always a good. There's always a balance between one thing or another. And, like, today, everything seems fucking hopeless. You know, like the, the battle of, you know, how dark things can get and how good you can be. You always feel like you're on the losing side. But if things can be understand in kind of a fractal nature then I kind of look at that idea of, like, the coin flip. Well, if that coin flip is fucking real, and that second coin flip, that second tails, has a 65% chance of being right, maybe that's kind of like a representation of the underlying, like, structure of the universe, where it's kind of like, yeah, you have 
you have this good and evil, but you have that little bit extra that makes it extra good. So I don't know if I'm the making... universe the universe is trying to balance itself out naturally. Yes, exactly. I mean, with, whenever there's a yin, there's a yang. They say, and uh, right. I and mean, so the idea is, if that second coin flip always naturally flips to the tails, maybe that natural flip to the tails is positivity. It's love and it's balance. So today's fucked up. Today, it could be really bad or it could be really worse, but that means that tomorrow, tomorrow has a 65% chance of being swayed and balanced in the positive, good direction. Yeah, I, I would don't say know. that's very... That kind of makes that, sense that, in my mind. That makes, that makes more sense that way, because you figure if uh, the worst events that happen in your life, then things can only get better, right? So it kind of stems off the same, the same thinking. When you have a shitty day, the next day is going to be a whole lot better because it's not going to be the same shitty day. Mm-hmm. But that uh, maybe it is. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll post that. Uh, I'll, I'll post up on the uh, the Twitter account. I'll post that article so everybody can read it because it's, you know, if there's validity to it, it's it's fascinating because it's something that's happening that shouldn't. And if you have something that's it's it's just kind of like the expanding Earth with the pair productions. It's like. You know, if there's something happening and we don't know it, why the fuck aren't we looking to find out more? Because I think he's right. This is one of those things that, like, it, it seems like if the uh, right amount of thought and attention and money was put towards it, it should be pretty simple to to prove scientifically. The coin toss thing? No, no. The, well, that too. But I was talking just about the expanding Earth theory. I think the expanding uh, Earth would be a better use of the money. No, that's what I was talking about. That's it, because that's where the replicators come from. Once we figure out how the sun does it, then we just have to figure out how to make that kind of energy and hold it in a box and how to program it. And have it make the energy you want. Yeah. We'll have, like, the ultimate 3D printer. Exactly. You can start just printing planets. Or printing fucking Tim Hortons coffee, that's stations. a double-double already. Perfect. Why not? Why not? And oh, well, hey, you are not you... even really printing it, you're manifesting it. That's true. Have you guys been paying attention to what happened to this latest uh, uh, satellite that went up that was supposed to discover black holes? A Japanese oh, the, satellite? The Japanese one? It just went out of, it started tumbling out of orbit or something? Yeah, they believe that it got impacted by space debris. I could see that. Yeah, there's a lot of junk up there. There is. Now, what I find... What was it going to do? Or fucking the state shot it down. Well, it was supposed to go up there, and I, you know, I honestly haven't been following this project too deeply, but it was supposed to do something with detecting black holes using some sort of, I guess, new type of radiation or something. So it was supposed to give us a, a different or better understanding of how they function. Where did it come but, down? It hasn't come down. It was launched, and it was going out into into do what it was doing and along the way it got uh, impacted and exploded no 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 it's been tumbling and they received some data from it and they don't think that they're expelling any fuel because they don't have a constant pressure leak on it like you know constant like push in a different direction but they last I heard of uh, I don't know maybe 10 or 12 hours ago they hadn't uh, heard back from it so how much was they're that hoping. project worth was it worth 200 billion or something it was worth a shit ton of money. Yeah, it was worth huge. Way too much than what we were. 
Well, yeah. and this brings me to, to uh, the Russian satellite that we had that, um, oh, what was it, that went over Phobos uh, that was, you know, viewing Mars and it uh, got impacted by something that was like, you know, what, one and a half or two kilometers long, you know, estimated by the, the, the shadow that it cast upon the planet and it was knocked out of orbit. So yeah, I still don't know what that was. And and so I, I don't want to go conspiracy because you're right, there's a shit ton of fucking stuff out there in space. But when something like that happens and it didn't happen through all the really hard stuff, it happened an impact later and it wasn't something that they detected along the way. Yeah, I, I totally get that. It's probably natural. But I also want to keep an extra little eye on this project because we just had gravity waves detected. We have this thing get knocked out. And Jesus Christ, if there was somebody that needed to, you know, you know, stunt some sort of discovery. You know, I'm, I'm sure that the states have the ability to direct some sort of, you know, bullet in space. I'm oh, sure they can have a handgun up there to shoot a satellite out. <laughs> no doubt. They've, they've got probably way more than what we realize, that's for sure. Do guns work in space? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, guns will work underwater. Yeah, but underwater's not space. Guns will well, work underwater until the firing yeah. pin gets wet. Well, it depends. If you get like a Glock, they make special um, uh, little discs that have a hole in them, so it actually allows the firing chamber to fill with water. Seals use them, so you can take the gun underwater. Oh, yeah, once I it's guess underwater, so. you can fire it. Now, the difference is once you come out of the water, you're going to need to let the barrel drain. And if you fire it underwater, you have to be very careful because if you fire it too close to your body, you'll get hydroshock, where the shock of the bullet coming out will actually go through the water and still cause damage into your body because of the shockwave. Hmm. Yeah, that satellite was worth 270 million. Sorry, not billion. I was going to say. Yeah, I thought that's why I was freaking out too. <laughs> but 270 million is still a lot of money for a, a satellite that ends up failing. Yeah, but, you know, it, <coughs> it would be nice if we had our heads on straight about how to do things right in the world. That's like 10 Tomahawk yeah. missiles. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It really is. I mean, yeah, shit, that's, that's a Sunday afternoon. Dude, that's like an eighth of a B-2 bomber. <laughs> an eighth of a B-2 bomber and almost half of its payload. So, however you want to look at it. Or, two. okay, so you could have nine of those satellites up for the cost of a B-2 bomber, I think, if my math is correct. A B-2 bomber's worth $2 billion? I think so, aren't they? Weren't they worth like $2 billion? How the fuck can they charge so much for these? I think uh, I think like an F-16 is worth fucking a, a quarter lot. billion or something Dude, like that. Dude, last yeah. I heard, the the F-1 set or what is it, the the F-22 Raptor or all the Lightning's iterations were up to over two hundred million a piece, and those fuckers are cracking. All the fiber, all the uh, the graph, the the graphite composite is breaking. Yeah, that's They're the having... F-30, F-35. Yeah, they, they now have a problem where they have to do hard resets in flight, which, by the way, a lot of the new airplanes are doing. This 330, is like, 40 million per aircraft for an F-22. God. <laughs> so nations are spending trillions of dollars on these things, and, and they're not even working. And this is what they're worth now. Imagine what they were worth new and to develop the technology. Stealth Bombers B-2, $2 billion apiece. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. Ouch. Yeah, that's steep. And I bought 21 of them. That's it? Yeah. 
And then here's the great thing. No, Darren, this is the fucking awesome thing. That's just what we know about. Oh, yeah. You know, we know about the X-35, the space plane. You know, we have one of those. boys. Yeah, I think they've been doing stuff since the 60s. Don't tell Graham that, but there's your (laughs) UFOs. Well, the the most disheartening thing that's happened for me in the UFO field is is going from understanding that there's probably some underlying phenomenon, whether it be completely experiential or, you know, something physical or both. But at the same time, there's also high technology that we have developed and are using. And you can't distinguish it. Yeah, maybe it's a combination of both. We just, we have no idea. Well, it has to be. Because, I mean, if you historically look at just what we know the military ends up having, and we know what civilians have, and then you know what we have today, well, Jesus fucking Christ, look at the drones that we have today. Yeah. You know? You know, they're palm-sized little things, you know, zooming around on cameras that can stay up in the air for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Well, I'm pretty sure they had that 20 or 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm almost sure they got it down to the mosquito-style things now. Oh, I believe it. it. You know, people don't believe me on this, but it's the, always the fucking thing about, like, the NSA was watching us and, you know, blah, 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> got a data center, this and that. Well, Jesus Christ, if they if we've developed quantum computers starting off in, in the, the, you know, the Google scale and what we know, and they can do, like, four or eight, you know, quantum bytes at a time and switching and holding information... Well, if we made an advancement like that or we had an understanding of physics, because people forget that we run the largest physics department or one of the largest physics departments in the world, and we hire the best scientists we can, and they don't share their information with the public, you know, that if we developed a highly advanced quantum computer, we already may have reached some sort of technological singularity or processing ability or ability to compute or have something that could compute and give us information that us ourselves are not you know, capable. In other words, if we could, you know, have this machine come back just in the way Go goes out and beats a player and we don't know how it does it, we go out and ask it to figure out the fundamentals of physics and it comes out and goes, here's some brand new technology to use. And then we have it. So we, if we just made one like step like that and having a super advanced quantum computer or AI and we did that 20 years ago, Jesus Christ. Yeah, what are we capable of now? Or what's it right. capable of now? And then how easy is it to stifle everybody else without being known? Because I always go back to Arthur C. Clarke and one of his rules that, you know, any high technology, you know, is going to be indistinguishable from magic. That is, you just, that is true. You wouldn't know. There's no magic, though. I don't know. Listen to that chaos magic on uh, Skeptico. I might have listened. I've done, well, that's what, uh, oh, isn't that, uh, you know who that probably is, is... Uh, I can look it up right here. White. Fuck, what's his first name? Oh, Gordon dude, White. you know who I'm trying he to get on, on your show, show is Alex Gray. Oh, yeah, I'd have him on for sure. I heard him. In fact, the two most influential po- podcasts I've heard lately have been that Skeptico on Chaos Magic and listening to Alex Gray on the Joe Rogan Experience. Very good episodes. Yeah, I'd have him on for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to get a hold of him. I think I've tried. He's hard. I, I tried on Twitter. Yeah, he doesn't have the ability to message him. On on the Facebooks? 
I sent him a message on the Facebook. But nobody fucking checks the Facebook. It's such a pain in the ass to use. Well, I shouldn't say that. Fuck Facebook. So we don't really know. We've got a... You go back a couple of thousand years. We've only known the history of the civilization for 7,500 years, really. And we've been around for 200,000 years. We don't really know. Probably closer to a million, I bet. Yeah, I mean, when people start talking about aliens, I believe that, well, I think that it's more logical that we have evolved to a point technologically where we've been able to leave Earth and then have come back and observe us from from afar. I mean, there's so many different hominid species, like I said. Well, you know, you reminded me of something, and, and it could go to this idea of the 10th planet coming through, but... It's also this idea that um, uh, oh, Dr. Robert Schock, in his latest book, wrote about the frequency of the magnetic field that the Earth has and the frequency that our brains operate, the, the magnetic fields that our brains operate on. And they're like the same frequency, they're tuned in. And that there's this idea that Wi-Fi fucks with your brain and you're sleeping. And it does, and we know that you have like the... The helmets that you, the god helmets that you can put on, have magnetic fields that make you walk in different directions or feel different things or have better time remembering things. But it got me thinking that maybe, you know, that we really are in a very deep symbiosis with this Earth and that there's something to this magnetic field that's all the way around us and that if we tried to leave that magnetic field, that it might really fuck us up in a way that we don't quite understand yet. So there might be this really weird biological tethering to Earth that we may be tethered to this area, at least us in our, our you know, physical, you know, meat suits. Yeah. Like maybe everything just turns to atom, atomic dust as soon as it leaves the magnetic field? Well, no, 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 not that, just that you, your brain doesn't function Or just correctly. that you slowly start breaking down. Well, I can see that, idea. why not? Like the, well, yeah. the idea, like when you take psilocybin or you take acid that you have synesthesia and your brain connects in different ways, that when your brain is operating with a certain frequency of magnetic field that it has around it naturally, that when that magnetic field changes, it kind of changes how your brain is interacting and communicating. And it kind of lends to this idea that when astronauts go out into space, they have there's actual space psychosis, and there's people that start to go crazier, and they have, you know, you know this... It, maybe that's related to this difference in magnetic fields... So that Mars One project will be a yeah. One let's hell send of a these TV fucking show. guys to Mars and see what happens. That'll be a hell of a TV show. Well, and all I'm saying is it would start, it's certainly going to be interesting. And hey, it might just mean that you need to generate a magnetic field that mimics the magnetic field on Earth. So you always have to carry around some sort of artificial field, like you would carry around, you know, like an artificial tank of air with you. You know. Yeah, we'll figure oh. that out one step at a time, I guess. Maybe air is not enough. Yeah. It might not be. You need water for us. I wonder. I wonder what would happen if you drank Martian water. Probably get sick, dysentery. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like our, if you go to a, you drink water from the moon or water from wherever. That's why they want to well, check for bugs first. We've talked about this on the podcast, and I'm sure you have on yours, Darren. But the idea that. All, there's so many microbes and organisms and animals on this planet, insects that can survive the conditions of outer space, high radiation, dehydration, you know, freeze drying, vacuums for extended periods of time. And 
we have things that grow in space on the outsides of things, and then we know that fucking rocks hit Earth and fly out into other spaces, and we have... So the idea that space is sterile and Earth is not, especially when every single place that we look on Earth, we find life. There is not a place that you can look that there is nothing. You know? I think that when you get out to Mars and you get to anywhere else, it's just going to be teeming with some sort of microbial life. So when you drink that water, I think you're probably going to need to boil it. Yeah, I wouldn't be the first one to drink that water. I wonder what temperature water boils out of Mars. I guess it would probably also depend on the salinity of the water. Uh, Yeah, well, it'd have to be real salty to make a difference. I think uh, altitude actually plays a bigger role in boiling boiling temperature than salt does. Yeah, I think you're right. No, you're absolutely right, at least according to my craft box. Craft box? Yeah, special boiling instructions for high altitude. Oh, there you have it. Is it you know who you should does also it take longer? Email? Is it hotter or colder at high altitude? I don't know. I'd have to go look. I can go grab a box if you want. I could just type it into my computer. It's right beside me. Yeah. <laughs> high altitude boiling temperature. You should really have E-Frame um, take a look at those videos, the Earth video and the Europa video. See if we can't get him to promise. Well, maybe I'll do it. See if I can't get him to promise down and, and watch it and talk to him about it. At 10,000 feet, it's 10 degrees less. Well, that's pretty significant. So that's 10 degrees Celsius, too. That yeah, means bunk to me. So that's like 10, 10, degrees, <laughs> 10 degrees Celsius. Would be uh, ten plus like eight point something, so it'd be like eighteen or nineteen. So it'd probably be a fifty. No. But yeah, probably about a. So instead of two thirty-two, I guess. Why isn't this in Fahrenheit? Instead of two thirty-two, it'd probably be around one ninety. I'm gonna say. I'll try Fahrenheit. Now. Do you guys ever have an impact from standard size? From what? In any way? What? Standard sizes. Oh Fractions. yeah, I, I'm do construction. I work in construction, so. No. So I, what, I, like, I use is, feet and inches a lot. I use that's about it, really. And no, pounds, feet, feet, inches, and pounds. Well, I can understand pounds. But I like but millimeters like the, and shit better. They're easier to but, work with. They're easier to multiply. Is it the like? But what is it? The lumber dimension that's done in in feet and like your? Do you like space like uh, two by fours by feet, or do you do meters? I work in steel, but yeah, two by fours all come in like. If I go to the store, it comes in two by four by eight or whatever, right? That, okay, so that's interesting. But I can convert all that stuff pretty easy. So, but like when you're actually doing building and you get a set of plans, it's done out to feet, not to... No, it's all not. millimeters, unless we're working on something real old and you have to work with original plans. So if you're doing a reno and the original plans were drawn in standard, then your plans have to be in standard, and it's a fucking pain. Interesting. I Well, you know, I do I do home remodeling and construction too, Darren. So. Oh, 
Cool. Yeah, it interests me. I do commercial steel. So, oh, so you build like steel buildings? Yeah, I do a lot of mist metals, but I do build steel buildings too. Yeah. What's mist metals like? Uh, uh, like stairs, locks? railings. But a lot of like stairs and railings and commercial high rises. Install or fabrication? I do install. I run. I run the field for install. Nice. That's fun. I built some pretty cool shit. Big. It's always big and heavy. You have nice drills. You you have a nice impact gun and you have a nice hammer drill. I know it. Yes. I have to get a new hammer drill. I uh, I went to Harbor Freight and got a twenty five dollar one because I couldn't afford to replace my uh, Hitachi that I decided to use as a mixer and burnt it out and melted it. And I put a four inch hole saw into this thing and somehow while I was using it the uh, the hammer drive engaged and it bound and I had it there was a two by four about two inches away from my hand and the, the drill caught and the plastic handle broke off on my finger and then it shredded the gears inside and I had to drill the next two holes through my wall in uh, reverse. <laughs> <laughs> while the thing was smoking plastic from the inside with a broken finger. Weird. They don't like Harbor Freight drills. <laughs> huh. Oh, yeah, I got so the one. I remember I've been up on ladders when those old, we got the newer ones now, they got clutches in them. But when you're drilling like a one-inch hole through old concrete with an old oh. that fucking catches some rebar... It spins around and smashes you in the face. Oof. Good way to get a black eye. Good way to fall off. Never had a black eye. I've had I've had like my arm get twisted where it's hurt for a couple weeks. Yeah, I've had a black eye and a broken arm, but not from a drill. Oof. I've got uh, I've got a large one of those hammer drills, you know, that's big old Bosch that's got I don't know the end on. It's like a two foot drill. And, you know, when you're doing, like, a two-inch hole with that thing, my God, when that thing catches, it's, you're done. Yeah, the new ones <laughs> have just, clutches, so when they catch, you just go, like, brrr. That's crazy. I've been looking at if I go to replace and get another one. Hitachi makes some nice ones that are, uh, they actually have, like, a pneumatic, a pneumatic impact on them instead of having a mechanical impact, so it's supposed to be softer on you for the vibrations and have more, uh, I don't know, some sort of, like, penetrating, corrupting power, I don't know. If you can get a Hilti one. Yeah. I like Hilti's. I've had really good experience with um, Hitachi, though. Yeah, I find Hilti's the best one, the cream of the crop. Is it? Only in certain things. Hammer drills, their cordless line is amazing. The 18-volt, like, drills and stuff. There's a cordless drill, a little impact, Sawzall. All that stuff works really, really well. And then their industrial hammer drills. Yeah, all that stuff's really good. But then they're like grinders and stuff like that are shit. They have really good lasers too, laser products, but it's all really expensive. I probably wouldn't buy Hilti shit if I was spending my own money. <laughs> well, before, you know, here's the thing. Like, if you're using it every day... It's fucking worth it. That's the thing, right? It's I'll tell you what I did, though. What, what got me on Hitachi, though, was that when lithium-ion first came out um, for power tools, 
Hitachi put out a model before anybody else did, and I picked up a drill with two batteries and a charger for $79.99 and an 18-volt lithium-ion rechargeable because nobody was buying it. It was, like, brand new on the market, and I still have that fucking thing. I use it all the time, and so I went and bought the impact gun that runs on the same battery, and I've been using that thing for, like, four years now. Yeah, they're pretty handy. Yeah. Life before impact guns, man. Fucking running Tapcons in, backing them out, backing them in, backing them out, running them in, breaking them off. Oh, could you imagine <laughs> fucking screwing shit before screw Dude, I used to. With a I fucking remember, screwdriver? I remember when battery tools were first coming out, and I had the Makita that was a, it was a, I think it was 9.6. It was the largest, and it had a giant battery that was like almost a foot long, maybe 10 or 11 inches that went in the handle. So it wasn't even well balanced. You had this thing where the handle was like all, like longer than the head of the drill, and that's what you used. And that thing was like a godsend because you didn't have to have a cord with you. Man, I was playing. I've been hooked. I got this little fucking helicopter I ordered on eBay, and it was like seven bucks, and it's like four or five inches long. One of those little remote control ones. Can you send me a link? Yeah. Took a Send month. me a link to the one you got if you like it. Cause took a month to get here. I've only had it for like two days, but I mean, I'm pretty sure I got my seven bucks worth already. Those are good worth. fun, those. Yeah, they're pretty fun. And this one, because it's so small, it seems like it's uh, like the battery only lasts like five minutes and you got to charge it. But uh, it's so small, like I've crashed it like probably 50 times up into the ceiling into this and just goes crashing to the ground. My kids are grabbing it. But it's and so it's small, yeah, it's so it's small and light that it just can't really break itself. Like, I've bought some of the big ones in the past, and I don't know if it's just because it's, I haven't bought one in three or four years, or if it's just because it's so small and light that it's just more durable. Maybe it's durable. I remember one time things. my wife fucking tried to stop me, and I bought this one. It was like a foot and a half long or something like that. It was like 110 bucks or something. And I got it home. I was all excited. I fucking fired it up. It was a little windy out. That thing went up like a foot and a half, spun over sideways, crashed into the ground, and just fucking blew to pieces. I can I can just imagine that scene. The horror on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh. Yeah. Send me that. I my uh, fiance. I've been looking to buy her dad one. That's been durable. He's kind of older, but he used to uh, he used to work for Sikorsky flying uh, helicopters, and he worked for Marine One flying presidents around. So I've been looking for like a good helicopter gift to get him without, oh, you know, blowing blowing the bank sorry. on something that's going to get destroyed in thirty seconds. What's that? It's on sale for six eighty two Canadian right now. Eh? It's on sale for six eighty two Canadian. What's that like? Oh, uh, sorry, I was making a Canadian joke. Two bucks U.S. That's How do it. I share this thing? Oh, there we go. Share. What's your email again? Send it to uh, Earth Prime. Oh, yeah, I know it. Yeah. At Hushmail. Oh, hey, uh, you guys Sliders fans? What's a slider? Oh, yeah. These like the little oh, mini cheeseburgers? Fuck you, Darren. That's okay, who's okay? The little mini cheeseburgers? Oh, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell. That's good cheeseburgers too, but oh, that was really so good. good. Back John Ray Davies. I remember watching that as a kid. Levin Derricks. Not ringing a bell no. for you. All right. 
Anyways, it's it's a show. Uh, think of it kind of like um, I interviewed Gordon White. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's like two and a half hours long. I'm gonna go back and listen to that episode. It's, uh, it was only like a month ago. If that. Then I, lis- then I listened to it. Yeah, you must have listened to it. I didn't realize it was the same. That's a really good episode. We didn't get into the the chaos magic a whole lot. Yeah, dude, it, it it's it's really good. I think he, he, he. I'd say listen to it. I liked it. It was really good. I thought. Yeah, I, I listened to most of the THCs. I'm oh, that's a plus member. Well, you probably you might have listened to it already, anyways. I don't think I did. I think I listened to some of it. I didn't listen to all of it because I just yeah, interviewed. I'll, it, I'll probably go well, back because I just interviewed it, him like a week before. Yeah, listen to it because it starts off a little woo woo and it sounds woo woo and it is fucking woo woo. But when it gets down into it, it's he basically you know his idea is that hey look with all the problems of man of today and yesterday. They're always the same. We're always having the same problems. We're fighting ourselves. But we're always asking the same questions. And so it's kind of on the idea that, you know, the real important things in life, when you start understanding that everything is cyclical and always has happened and will happen, and we're always asking the same questions, that at least what I got from it is that the real answers are the questions that we're asking because we're still asking those same questions. It's interesting. So now we're looking for aliens instead of angels. Or ourselves as such. I wonder if, like, I wonder if, you know, it's crazy. I wonder. Some people think it's crazy that there's aliens, but it's okay to pray to angels. And other people think it's crazy to pray to angels, but they can. Yeah, it seems like can, it's all one and the same, doesn't it? They can see some fucking UFOs. My view has always been that anything is possible. So who's to say what is or couldn't be? I will be the person to say that. Well, to go back to the (laughs) fractal idea, Darren, and you know when you look at a fractal, depending on where you're at, it always kind of looks the same. But I kind of have the same idea about things in that way that... Oh, shit, I just lost my train of thought. I'm comfortable making those kinds of decisions. Yeah. Not all the time, but... Buzzkill. <laughs> a buzzkill in general. But yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to be a dick. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I just like to, I mean, I like to argue too. It's fun. Does that really piss Graham off on the show? Because he seems like he gets genuinely Sometimes, upset. Sometimes, but whatever. I mean, me and Graham spend a well, lot of fucking time talking to each other because we both, I run the field at the company I work at and he works in the, I work in the field and he works in the office. Oh, I didn't know you guys worked so together we, like that. We talk. We probably are on the phone like fucking thirty times a day, and that's really. And then cool. we do the podcast together, and we manage not to kill each other. But I'm, my, my new mission is to try and get him to hit me. <laughs> you know what? Preaches nonviolence. Is there any way to get him to increase his his vocal presence on the uh, the social medias? I don't like him on Twitter already. He should make his own fucking account. <laughs> well, no, if at least he did that, because, I mean, my experience... He uses Twitter like, sometimes. He's on there. Well, I guess the thing is, like, when I share stuff, 
and, you know, to the accounts that I look around, I never feel like I'm interacting with them. Like, it's weird. Like, I, when I think of Grimerica now, I think of you only because I never, I never feel like I'm ever talking to Graham. It's always down. He's on Twitter quite a bit. All right. He's going to come on this show next time. Good. Instead of me. I guess one at a time to get more out of us, probably. Yeah, maybe. I don't spend the entire time cracking one-liners about Graham. Well... So you never watch sliders, but I want to mention this to Jared because he's a fucking fan. You're just an asshole right now. <laughs> I'm kidding, Darren. <laughs> it, 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 probably one of the most influential shows, but to, to put it in a nutshell, it's like uh, Stargate SG-1. Did you ever watch that, Stargate? I watched the movie. All right. Well, the movie was turned into a 10-season successful TV show and then another... Arguably. I think six or seven years of Stargate Atlantis and then another five years of... Stargate, or no, two years of Stargate Universe, and then there might have been another, and there was a bunch of movies. The point is, uh, Sliders was kind of like that, but they neutered it after the third season and basically cut the balls off on it, and it sucked. But it had such potential, and it was really awesome, and there's a good chance that Sliders is going to come back, because... Um, when did it get canceled? Oh, it got canceled a couple of times... I forget when it aired. I want to say it aired in either 92 or 94. Yeah, I remember watching it when when I was, it, what, 5 to 10? <laughs> it ran after The X-Files, which is why it's gotten a resurgence, because it's been on Netflix here for a while. People have started uh, watching it. Is and it on now Netflix? I'll track it down and watch it. Oh, fuck yeah. It's, it's on Netflix. It's on but I'm going to warn you, the first, the first three seasons are phenomenal. If you really like it, stick on for the last two. The last one is really dog shit. The way it ends, you're probably going to want to take cyanide. But yeah, I remember not I liked it that enough that... <laughs> you know yeah, what show? One. I always thought could have went like 12 seasons instead of, you know, a broken up, shitty three and a half. It's Arrested Development. Yeah, I never really got into that I one. loved it when it got canceled the first time, and it was like, what the fuck? And now, then it came back, and people just love it. Now it's a cult classic. Netflix has the rights, but it's like they missed like eight years in between there that all those guys were in their prime. It's a shame, really. Well, what's great about this project? It got fucked. Uh, I, I just recently heard, um, and, and I read, I shouldn't say heard an interview. I heard an interview with Jerry O'Connell talking about it, and I read, I read an interview that he did online where he talked about it. And there was a whole bunch of things that happened, basically, where everybody changed. So all the people that brought them onto the project to bring them into doing sliders, Tracy Torme, I think Mel Brooks might have been involved, if I'm remembering correctly. I could be dog-shitting on that one. Uh, but there was a bunch of really famous people that were involved in this project that brought them on. They left. You know, the, the company changed hands or something. So everything changed in how they were doing it. They had to bring on different actors. I think they ended up firing Jerry O'Connell from the show. So. Uh -huh. It just ended up falling apart. But now, with with X-Files coming back and being so successful and them doing a second season and it being such a fucking goddamn good show. They're doing more X-Files? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing a second season. As soon as it was successful, uh, Chris Carter said that uh, Fox had requested more episodes. Huh. So as soon as they could film them, they were going, yeah, so X-Files is coming back full swing. Jillian and, uh, and Fox are, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> Um, David Duchovny are in. I quit but watching now, after the uh, the lame yeah, you, one. You, you, yeah, I like that one. I never, the, went, the I never went back. 
Yeah, you need to go back uh, because it ends up tying it in, and it does it in a very fun Alex Jones type of way that I think you're going to enjoy. Was that the lizard one that you were talking about there? That's right. Yeah. He hated it. I watched I loved that, it. and then I stopped watching Dark Stars, and it's driving Graham nuts. I didn't what, mind that one. I thought it went a bit off the. It went a bit off the rails a little bit. It was a, well, I, it did, but it didn't seem to tie in with that, anything. That was all. Well, it was, but here's the great thing about X Files that I was going to say is that if you look at every season, they always had one episode a season that was a complete goof. It was a complete joke. Yeah. Like they had the episode where they did the Christmas Carol, where they get locked, you know, together in the haunted mansion together. You know, so they always had these kind of completely off-topic comedy. Usually they had twenty-four episodes. This time they only had uh, six. Six. So now that this is popular, uh, Sliders used to run after X-Files, and it was very popular when it ran in its first season on Fox before they did the shit-can thing that they normally do, which is, you know, shit-can all their good stuff. So Tracy Torme, apparently, according to Jerry, contacted him and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing Sliders again, which is really exciting because uh, Jerry also said that his wife is doing The Magicians, which is a TV show, and he's been doing a lot of shadowing. He's been doing a lot of directing on that show. He's been doing a lot of directing behind the scenes, and he really enjoyed being on Sliders, and he's talking about the fact that he actually wants to come back as a director on a sci-fi series and is thinking that this might be a good opportunity for him. So I'm like, this is amazing and awesome that you actually have a guy who loved the idea of the show and got talked into it by Tracy Torme, who loved the idea, and then they're wanting to bring it back. So to me, it's just like the, the perfect, you know, resurgence as where, you know, most of these projects where people decide to, to, re, to, uh, to, to redo a movie or rebrand a product or do another Batman, you know, this is, you know, truly the creators that are trying to get back and finish the storyline because it was literally neutered, you know, it's, there was so much more that the show could have done. Well, they've got that chance now, don't they? I mean... They seem to be doing a hell of a good job with uh, the X-Files now, especially with the graphics and everything. That just makes it so much better, I think. I agree. Well, if Sliders comes back, my money is that it's on Netflix. That's where my money is. Yeah, that would make sense. Why not? Netflix is going to have all the money soon. Well, fuck. They're they're putting out the best content. I mean, their comedy specials, you know, the, the movies and TV series, they're... No wonder they're going to start doing news. You know, I never thought about that. There's probably no money in news. Yeah, but it's content they care about, you know? So if somebody was providing them content... But I guess, you know, maybe they don't want to get into doing the type of thing that Amazon's done where they're buying a news corporation to kind of to sway the information in their direction. Yeah, it seems like a pretty slippery slope from there. Yeah. True that. I'll tell you, though, but what they're doing right now is awesome because they tried to play the game and say, hey, everybody, we want you to pay you a fair amount and put it on. And everybody said, no, we'll jack it up. Or, like HBO and everybody else, no, we're not going to. And so they said, okay, I guess we have to make our own stuff. So the only reason that Netflix is so awesome is because the other people that were awesome decided to be complete dicks. <laughs> That's good. Trailer Park Boys Season 10 just came out. I've never watched that show. It's classic Canadiana. Yeah? Yeah. I wonder if you got it on a, on Yankee Netflix. 
It, you do. I do get it on do Netflix you? over here. I don't have to run through a proxy or anything. I run. Yeah. I get both. Canadian and American. I run one of mine through a proxy. Do you notice a big difference in content? Yeah. Hey, I'm jumping here because you just reminded me of something, Darren. Do either of you guys remember a sci-fi television series that ran in the 90s, 98 through 2001, called First Wave? Had Rob LeBeau in it. I think he... You heard of that one, Darren? I No. No, I've never heard of that one. I'm trying to get a copy of it on DVD for eternity. It was a really cool series. It was about this guy. Um, it was called First Wave, and the idea was that there's all these different waves of alien invasion that were going to happen. And Nostradamus wrote about them. So if you read the, the Nostradamus predictions, they actually predict this alien invasion. And it's about this guy named Cade Foster, who was framed for murder because he, I guess he was, if I remember correctly, was stumbling too close to something. So he was framed for murder, and he was framed for murder by the aliens. So it's kind of this whole idea of him going and finding the truth, and he's working with this guy named Crazy Eddie. And they just kind of go around in the episodic thing. But it was such an incredibly well-done, dramatic, almost like soap opera-ish, you know, action movie type of uh, sci-fi television show. But nobody else has put it out on, I don't know, on DVD since 2012. And God damn it, I didn't buy it then because I didn't have the money. And now I think the cheapest copy I found is like $200 on eBay. That's not related to the fifth wave, is it? That new one that's coming out? No, it is not. Nothing to do with it? Nothing to do with it. No, when I saw that, I got excited because I saw the Uh, wave and a number. And I'm like, you can't find it it online? You know, I I don't torrent, so I haven't looked. I don't torrent either. <clears throat> well, don't don't, I... don't 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 look anything up for me because that would be awful. And actually, no, uh, you know, one of the main reasons is a I'm not that super technically advanced with doing that, and I guess I could. I've I just have so much content normally through net. This is like one of the few times I've ever had a problem because honestly. Like if I wanted to find something, usually when I go on eBay, somebody has already uh, burned it and they'll sell you a copy. So I usually just buy it off there for like you know five or six bucks. But <clears throat> I think that's more illegal. It might be, but you know this is the way I fucking look at it, and it's crazy that I want to buy it. The last time I did that was with Megas XLR because I could not find it anywhere. There was no downloads, no nothing. So instead, like, you're buying it from terrorists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those fucking digital eBay terrorists. Those mother, those are the worst ones. Well, you know, in Canada we're lucky because streaming is still technically not illegal, and it hasn't been ever. Oh, so you can get away with it. So uh, downloading, you can get into trouble. Technically, you could be charged, though. I don't think it happens very often, if at all. No, um, that makes sense. But streaming is a gray area, so like. I've got a Fire Stick, and with the with like one channel, it's got a Cody on it that runs one channel, and I can basically stream whatever I want without yeah, breaking really well cool. the law. Without breaking the law. That's really neat. But I downloaded I downloaded all the I shouldn't even be saying this. No, you didn't. But hey, I'll tell you something that I did once, and and it, it fucking pissed me off because this is also one of those. My favorite series of books is the uh, the series of books by Arthur C. Clarke, the Rama series. 
written, oh, yes. well, the first one was written by him, and the others were written by Gentry Lee. I've read the books like five times. I'm fine. I'm reading with my fiance the fifth book. We're almost all the way through. So you've read, you read it, Jared? It together? Oh, no, it's actually, that's very strange because I just downloaded that audio book today. <laughs> oh, it's really, 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 well, it's my favorite book. I feel yeah. like I should so, read it now. <laughs> that's like a sign yeah. that I should read it. What's it called? Like I better write Clark? this down. Arthur well, C. Clarke? Like, like I don't Arthur. know. I've never read him. Rendezvous with Rama? Yep, Rendezvous with Rama. And that book is very classic, Arthur C. Clarke, and it was written as a single standalone book. The second book was written by was uh, co-written by a guy named Gentry Lee, who I'm a huge fan of. He was actually um, one of the the, the 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 guys that worked, I think one of the lead engineers on the Viking mission projects and he wrote arthur c clark to say hey i know you wrote this book but i've got this idea about how to maybe continue it on and he read it and so they kind of went together and although the rest of the books are mostly written by gentry lee they have heavy influence because arthur c clark was reviewing the manuscripts anyways they're really really good books and um so what i was saying is i bought those books at least four times no five times because I had three copies here at my house. I'd given a copy away, and I had another copy in high school, and then I have all my books in a hard copy, and I have the first one in a first edition print. So, I mean, I've got like four or five copies of all these books already. And I go, and I'm looking for literally years, as soon as I've got my Nook Simple Touch, looking for Barnes & Noble, looking for anybody that's going to do, you know, an EPUB or, you know... Uh, you, uh, a Kindle version that I can get and pour it onto it, and nobody fucking did it. And I'm like, I have purchased this book like <laughs> a, a million times. I have all these copies. They're, you know, I've got them sitting here, but I want to take a digital copy on the way. So I went to this guy and I found a guy who had transcribed everything by hand, <laughs> the entire book, uh, and put them into a digital format. And I side loaded those onto my. Nook, but it's like, this is so fucking ridiculous because, you know, we're living in a world where people have no problem or even want of paying for content. It's the same thing that's happening with America. It's the same thing that's happening with the No Agenda show. We're shifting away from this consumer base to where people want to pay for goods and services that they enjoy. And when you can't even fucking do that, this is where a lot of the... Not very many people. Happening. What's that? <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes it's different, you know. Uh, I don't know. I look at, I mean, I donate, I'd, I'll stream a show for free, but I'll still donate to or sign up for the bonus content of a podcast that I listen to. Because right. I look well, that... at one of them as having already made their billions. And I mean, you know, that doesn't, pro doesn't make it any, any writer. It doesn't justify the means, but I mean, I suppose it's almost like Robin Hood. I'd rather oh, get my content from the rich motherfuckers for free so I can give that money to the poor content providers. Well, and at the same time, you're actually listening to that person, so you're paying the person that you choose the content to go to. That's true, and I mean, I, I don't have cable or fuck all, so I canceled my cable years ago, so everything I watch is, most of what I watch is Netflix, to be honest. I do Netflix and Prime almost exclusively, and Plex now, because uh, I stream like uh, Survivor and uh, StarCast through there. Yeah, I do a lot of Netflix, and then I pay for my sports and stream them as well. What sports? Hockey. 
and uh, NHL <laughs> channel. Yeah, and then yeah, usually I was looking at that. It's it's expensive. Well, I get it set up so that because my wife's cell phone's through Rogers, and Rogers owns the broadcasting rights in Canada. So because I just had to up my wife's phone like seven bucks a month, and I get it for free. Oh, see, that's worth it. Yeah. So I get all that you, uh, for free, and then I I usually I'll pay for the first season of baseball, which is I think the first month that you can pay by month or you can pay at this. I mean, sometimes I'll just buy the year. It depends. Like this summer looks like a busy summer, so I probably won't get it till it kind of goes down month by month the price. But eventually, as it starts getting close to the playoffs, I'll spring for the major league package. Sometime between now and August, I'll end up buying that. For fifty to a hundred dollars, and I'll get every major league game. Wow. And that's the only sports I really care about is hockey and baseball. I, I mean, I'll, I'll watch football, but I could really give a fuck. See, I've recently gotten into UFC, but that's just because Joe Rogan is so goddamn excited about it and into it, and I listen to him so much that I fucking got pulled in, and I can't stop. Yeah, man. you learn so much from him when he's describing everything. That's for sure. Oh yeah, he's he's by far the best announcer too cuz you actually fucking learn. He yeah. tells you what they're doing instead of just going like, "Oh, good shot." It's like, "Yeah, I know it was a good shot." <laughs> <laughs> he definitely got me into it as well. I become more interested in the uh into the martial arts cuz everyone's like a lot of people see it just as cage fighting, right? Now it's more to me as if it's like an actual martial arts. You can tell that it's a specific art form in a lot of ways, you know. Oh, yeah, it's it's the ultimate in, you know, it's a man versus a man. It's one person that is going to defeat the other person using only the skills that they have at hand. Yeah, I wish we could go back to that style. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan. I'm I'm indifferent, <laughs> I suppose. Oh, so if yeah, it's you on, know. I'll watch it, but... I don't. Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV. If I'm watching TV, I'm usually watching lately YouTube or documentary of some sort. Well, that when I watch before fights, bed, I'll have, that's ones. like a guilty release. You watch a Big Bang Theory episode or some bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's. Uh... I need good documentaries. Well, add Wake Up to your list. That's a good one. That one, uh, Red Pill recommended to me. That one. Wait, uh, have you seen uh, What the Bleep Do We Know? That's an old one, too. Yep, I've seen that one. Plus all the Zeitgeist, which were really good. Yeah, I've yep. seen all the Zeitgeist. I Am's really good, too. Oh, you know, I re- he's one of my favorite authors, by the way. Authors? I read his book, too. Um, uh, what the, f- uh, the, the director of Liar, Liar. Why can't I think uh, of his name? Yeah, I can't is. think of his name. Either. I, I, I messaged you about having him on the show, too. I I, think. I've tried. He's hard to get a hold of. Yeah. He tells I, a really good You know, cool if I kept story. on him, I probably could, because he doesn't have a ton of Twitter followers. So I'm sure, you know, there's kind of those limits on Twitter where when people start to get too high, you can't get through to them because too many other people... <laughs> too many and other people are constantly him. messaging him, right? The chances of you getting in there. You, have, you know what happened... Phil Demers just got that with Glenn Greenwald. Did you see that? No. I was excited because I was online, and he just messaged him and said, hey, you know, I'm being sued by, you know, mainland, you know, for trying to protect the walrus, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
And Glenn Greenwald was like, oh, that's interesting. Could you send us information? And I've been looking, and he's been getting contacted by a few other organizations that are saying, hey, this is the first that we've heard of this. Can you please send us more information? So he actually might be getting hooked up with some good people that can you know, help finance the ability to fight these fucking bogus lawsuits against his ass. Yeah, we're waiting. My opinion, allegedly, whatever, whoever sends out legal notices, all allegedly. See, covering my butt. <laughs> so always the allegedly. Yeah, I don't know if you have you heard of have you heard of Phil Demers, Jared? No, I haven't. He uh, he was uh, he spoke out against Marineland and their treatment of animals, and he's been very outspoken against uh, SeaWorld. Ah. And they accused him of trying to steal a walrus, and he's been in constant legal litigation since. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think Darren's uh, looking to have him on the show. He was on the Joe Rogan Experience here a couple months, three months ago maybe or something, talking about it. It was a pretty good episode. He's supposed to be coming on in May. What was his – are you guys just stacked up that you're pushed out that far for recording? or? That was his uh, request. Interesting. But, I well, mean, like right to... now we are booked pretty solid till like, I mean, I think we're – we're booked till May. We're booked till May, till the first week of May right now. But well, I mean, we don't mind if we need to or certain ones come up. We can sneak another one in. But you're talking book for what? Like, what do you? I'm curious from the logistics end. Like, what's your? What do you guys schedule for recording? What do you mean? Well, like, like or do you what? set like it's all usually time we try and do it Tuesday nights, but it's all guest dependent. If if we can, we try and book them sometime on a Tuesday night, and then we'll record the interview, and then after the interview, we'll record an intro for whatever show we release on that week. So generally, you try to record one or two interviews. Uh, Usually one a week. On a Tuesday. And then we try, yeah, because you don't want to hold on to episodes for too long, and you don't want to be running so that if someone cancels on you, you don't have a show that week. No, honestly, from what We've I enjoy, gone three years without almost three years without missing a week, and I think that's super important. It is. How much? How much do you cut from your episodes? What do you mean? Audio wise, I don't well, like, fucking do anything other than that music. Really? I do some editing in the beginning. I do a lot of editing. I was a little more self conscious about it, or it could be that we were just worse at it. There was a lot more ums and ahs and fucking awkward four or five second pauses, but. Now there isn't. So, and I mean, we've kind of, even back then, I never completely edited it because we wanted it to be more raw than, like, I always like, I always liked MU and that, but it, it sometimes it almost seems a little too polished. You know what I mean? It's more, well, it's, that, when yeah, you get that yeah. polished, it starts to be more like mainstream, more mainstream radio or watching something on the fucking Discovery Channel, you know what I mean? Well, here's what's crazy. When Not I that think there's about, anything like, wrong with that, but I like the podcast format to be more natural, natural organic. and relaxing, yeah. organic. Well, if you either of you listened to the first episode of the Joe Rogan Experience, oh, it is, it's terrible. But it was still entertaining, and I stuck through it. And so the point is, I'm like, you know, no matter what I think, this is dog shit, any of it. If I'm entertained while doing it, there's somebody else there that's going to be entertained too. So it's almost like I don't need to self-question that that extra. So, yeah, the whole, like, leaving everything in, because I love the ums, the ahs, the, 
the fuck are we talking about? I don't know. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I do that during normal conversations right? anyways. I don't edit anything anymore. If something okay. crazy happens, I might write down a timestamp and then forget to edit it anyway, but... Yeah, or or if somebody says something that's waiting to be released or announced later on or something that's, you know... Yeah, exactly. So you it's like, for the most part, I edit fucking... edit in intro stuff. A yeah, like, in this one, I'm going to cut out a little bit of something you said, Darren, but that was just because it was behind the scenes talking about something that's going to be happening on your show, so I don't want to spill the beans yeah, yet. Yeah, two hours. Usually it takes me about two hours to run through and edit. Two to four, depending on... Do you listen to the... Oh, so you do you listen to the whole thing? I don't listen, no, at all. I listen to enough to... Most of the time is spent converting or something. Yeah converting or using i use web services i got a brand put the brand on the art when i get it from napoleon uploading it takes a bit uh copy and pasting the show notes downloading music adding music it all takes a bit of time it's not bad though it's not like it's too long i mean if i didn't have to work i could i would come out with like three shows a week what do you do for your music uh, probably a lot of shit I shouldn't. Okay, I'm going to rephrase this question. Um, custom songs that are made for you. Like my bumper music is custom made. That's just put from yeah. my buddy's band. And then jingles were all sent in by listeners, but the bumper music I just get from SoundCloud and... With uh, with my business model, I think I'm okay. Uh, if if no, anything, I'm sure at worst case I'll just get a cease and desist. Yeah, but not even that. Well, a lot of artists, especially if you're posting to SoundCloud, it's are cool. Like uh, all the stuff that I put in the show, it's actually my cousin's band, Arcade High. So yeah, I use a lot. I just of asked like... him. I said, "Hey, dude, can I use your stuff?" And I said, "He said, yeah, put it in." And actually, he's coming out with another album here in the next couple of days that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I've got. A... But yeah, so I just edit it and just throw it in the show. It's what I've been doing for all the intros and outros. I've got a couple bands that I work with a little regu- more regularly, like uh, like Broke for Free, for example. I probably use them one every, once every five or six shows. And Superman. Superman, yeah, I've got permission to use all his stuff, but I mean, a lot of the oh. stuff I use, I don't have permission. I just credit it and link it, and you know, hope for the best. I'm not selling my stuff, so that yeah, kind of helps. Not, well, and you're not you're not sharing like you know Metallica, you know, black or something. <laughs> exactly, it's it's all fairly underground or electronic music. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, if I made if we made enough money on donations to cover our expenses and start paying for music, I'd be fine doing it. I wouldn't mind paying because there's sites where you can go pay two or three dollars a song. Well, and I'll tell you what I did for my cousin with his because I felt the same, and I was doing this podcast on a shoestring, like I mean, money wise. So, but part of my expenditures was I said, hey, can I buy your? Can I use your albums? He goes, yeah. One of his albums he has up where you can don't you donate whatever amount you think is fair to him, and he had his other album up for like ten bucks. So I'm like, dude, I'll give you twenty bucks, and then you know, just the ability to just buy your album and then have you let me use it for the show. I mean, that's just fucking amazing. Like, I, it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't foresee a problem using no. as long as you're using low key 
But like I say, I would pay for it. There's sites where you can pay one, two, five dollars for a song, and have the rights to use it. And I, I'd have no problem doing that. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, not a lot of people donate to the. Well, I'd put the number at somewhere between, at any at any given time, one one percent, maybe two, one to two percent of the people who are listening will donate. I would say if you span that number out over five years, it would be a lot, maybe a lot closer to 20. 20 what? 20% of your listeners. Like I say, say you had 1,000 listeners at any given time, you're only getting 1% of that number donating. But if you took those 1,000 people over said time, because not everyone's a subscriber, right? Some people just randomly donate here I see what you're saying. Yeah, if you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Yeah, their frequency of donation increases. Exactly. But it's just like, well, I mean, basically, with our, with our model, it's, it's just a matter of growing your numbers. The more numbers you get, the more... I don't think that number changes whether you have a million listeners or a thousand listeners or no, 10,000. No, it doesn't, but... That's what's kind of beautiful about this new model is, and I've heard this explained that and it's kind of in a, in a woo-woo way, that you could have like an artist-based economy, right? So if I had X amount of dollars every month to give to somebody, an artist of my choice, or maybe even let's say I could choose 10 artists to buy art from, well, those artists could completely, you know, completely you know, live on other people appreciating the money that was given to them. You know what I mean by that? Kind of the idea that... I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, it'll work. It'll get there if you can just... You know what I mean? Like, you, you pay for what you think is valuable. So, hey, I think the No Agenda show is worth $10. Or what's even better is... So here's the thing. Right now, my donations to shows, to things I listen to, minimum. Have I donated to the No Agenda show? No. Call me out. I'm a fucking douchebag. I donate where I can, you know? So it's like, it's all about your ables and means. And what's great is when I have the money, I donate. And I think it's great that we have that across the board, that you have goods and services that are providing you value that when that can. I mean, the No Agenda Show is the perfect example. Even if it's that 1%, well, Jesus Christ, if you and I all donate to that 1% of things that we enjoy, and if everybody's donating to that 1% of things that we enjoy, at some point, if we're all doing the things that we enjoy, we're all donating to each other. That's the type of economy you want. Yeah, well, that's what kind of what we say is we you never expect everyone to be donating at the same time. It's kind of like the people who have the money at that time are the people who are paying for the show to be produced for the people who don't have the money at that time. And, you know, six months or a year, 12 months down the road, that shoe could be on the other foot. Or maybe, you know, this guy just got his bonus so he can donate 20 bucks. And, you know, at a buck and a show, that covers a bunch of them. You know what I mean? But, I mean, truth be told, we're not, we don't get close to a dollar, dollar a show. Right. But, I mean, we're lucky enough to pay our expenses. And that's good. Pay our expenses and buy gear from time to time. But, I mean, we have... How are, how's your, how are you growing, though, now? I mean, not to, to crack it down just the numbers because it's you know, the show's content is what's going to drive it. But like, like how, I guess what, if you had a graph, is it like steadily growing? Have you plateaued? Does it kind of come and go with mentions on other podcasts or searches? It just always goes up. I don't know if that, I don't say that to sound cocky. I think that's a general, if you keep coming out with your show every week, 
and it doesn't, you know, you don't get shittier. You're just naturally always, it's, I think having a podcast where there's no marketing or anything like that, it really comes down to audio quality, content quality, and longevity. So, I mean, unless you're famous and already have a huge following of some kind, you're not coming out of the gate with, you know, 100,000 listeners. You got to build that up. The more people you can network with, that helps. But I mean, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to how many shows you have. How many shows where, can people find? So if you keep putting out a podcast a week, where do you think the growth of you is going to go in numbers in another five years? I don't know. I would say right now it, it probably goes up by about 75% a year. And that that's exponential. That's quite so, high. so that means, Darren, that, you know, assuming that you continue to grow at that rate and you guys are getting better and your guests are getting, for the most part, more compelling, that you're, you should see that growth. So you that means that you and Graham are probably going to be able to turn this into a career if you want to. That's really exciting. I mean, I don't want to, you know, you know, jinx the pooch here, but. Well, you look at it, Darren. Every every better, like every guest that you do have, will lead to the next one, right? Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, when we started, if you had said that we were going to have 165 episodes, I don't think either of us would have thought that was going to happen. It just kind of was one of those things we fell into. We had relationships with Micah and people like that. They kind of gave us a boost. So, like, right out of the gate, we, you know. I think our first episode got downloaded a hundred and some times, right? Wow. Which, I mean, some people aren't close to that. I mean, we we talked to the, the, the guy from Libsyn, which is the biggest podcast host, and I think it's something like the, the average, if you're getting more than 150 downloads an episode in a month, then, so basically 30 days after your episode's been there, 30 days, if you've gotten downloaded 150 times or more, then you're in the top 50%. Makes sense. Yeah. That correlates with what you see or used to see, at least in book sales, that uh, a first-time author, if they sold more than 2,000 copies nationally, they were considered to be a success. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we just count our blessings. We've been lucky enough that people find our nonsense. I'm not calling the guests nonsense, but I mean we're not very polished by any stretch of the imagination. I don't. I couldn't tell you what it is that people like about the show so much, but so far we've been have, lucky. I, I can tell you what I like about it. Have you guys thought about just extending the conversation pieces? We do from I mean, time to time. I mean, at what nice. we the, or even maybe adding it at the end of the show just. At, you know, have your nice things, you're all done, and then just at the end of the show, just add on, just block talk. Yeah, we've we've talked about it. Sometimes we we get going in the outro. I mean, we started with longer intros. We then they went down shorter. We got them down to ten to fifteen minutes because people were complaining, and then more pe other people started complaining that they were too short. Yeah, so. but people always going to complain. I go to Joe Rogan listening to where he started out. He started out just doing podcasts at three hours and stopping them at three hours because you couldn't upload them any longer to YouTube without fucking it up. And that was the main determination. And then, you know, so 
you know, before he was doing that, as far as I know, people didn't just sit down and listen to somebody talking for three hours bullshit, right? It was, no, you need to have a 30-minute produce, you know, a 45-minute episode, maybe an hour and a half, make it like a movie, you know, not like, you know, uh, 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 director's, you know, a, you know, edition of Dune. Yeah, we well, we definitely don't do, now that, I mean, now that we've hooked up with UCY and things like that, we haven't had some network interest, so. Oh, yeah, so you do have to worry so about we, time. So we still don't, I mean, that's something we're never going to get used to or to shoot for, but that being said, especially not in the interviews, but I mean, if, if an interview is, is that, if an interview is an hour and a half and we know that going in to record the in, intro, then it's like, well, we might as well just try and shoot for this to be a two hour because then it's easier for me to wrap up and send to them because well, they need could... it to be two hours. But I mean, at this point, now that the show has been accepted over there, they're willing to take it in basically any increments of 30 minutes. Okay, cool. Which is still a pain in the fucking ass. Not, I mean, it is, but here's the thing. You could always find a band that you really like and just get permission and add on some songs at the end. Oh, you yeah, know, well, that's, 10, what, I, that's what I usually do. If it's close, I'll add, or I can cut some outro music. I can cut the outro off completely. I keep it pretty rough, but it's still a pain in the ass re-editing them. Like, that's, that's, I suppose that's the hindrance that comes with not doing any sort of real time format but i wouldn't change it but i like that idea because if you added something on at the end like that then you could keep everything the same and then just you know after you do the interview just keep talking you know yeah, or whatever absolutely the thing is you run out of time like i say if i didn't well, have to work i would podcast a whole lot more it's not i enjoy doing it but with two, well, that's young, good. two young children and a full-time job. Yeah, but that's good because that means that you're going to be able to. It's going to happen, dude. Just, you just. Thanks. Yeah, that's. It's that, not. That, well, that it's not. Don't great. fuck this thing up. It's just make this thing fucking awesome because it is. Like, here's what I love about you guys. Like, I, you, if you want to talk about what got me into podcasting, it was you, and it was doing it without even realizing. Because I met you guys at the Paradigm Symposium. And to be perfectly honest, I thought that Graham was just a complete goof, and I didn't know what to make of him, and, and I didn't take you guys real seriously. Some of us still and think you guys that. introduced me to E-Frame, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool, and, and I had heard about some of the stuff, and I'm like, yeah, he's real interesting, but like, I was, I was so like, new to the entire experience that I just like, you know, love light crystals, whatever, you know, soak it all up. But I really meshed with you guys as people. And there's something about the way that, that you and Graham come across the radio that's very genuine, where you don't try to hide too much of yourselves. So that's really cool, because the way that you guys let that flow out into your podcast is really what 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 really got me into enjoying podcasts more than I had, was just that natural, normal conversation, is, especially when you guys fuck around and you piss them off. Like, not that it's nice about piss them way. off, it's just... Like, he gets pissed off, and it's like, okay, it's cool. He's actually getting pissed off. It's not somebody reading a script and going, oh, I'm so fucking angry. Yeah, we script nothing. That was important to us from the start, and thanks for that feedback, by the way. That's great. But we, uh, we, we, that's, that's how we're trying to keep it, and that's like, we, I listen to shows and that have kind of, you see their numbers grow, and they kind of lose that authenticity or that organicness. 
And that's something we've been trying real hard. And I mean, I'm not saying anything about anyone because I can see how it can be tough because as your numbers go up and you're getting more donations and you're getting more emails and you're getting more this and you're getting more attention and, you know, more people telling you how great you are. And I can see how fucking people can get inflated and start thinking. But, I mean, it's hard to, you just got to stay humble. It's not hard for Canadians, I guess. Well, and even more than that, it's just, if you're doing what you enjoy, like, yeah, you can have all that, but you can, you can, doing a podcast, you can insulate yourself pretty easily from That's it. exactly what it is, is no one even really, no one knows what I look like. So it's basically, if you don't check your email or go on Twitter, you can totally detach from it. Yeah. I mean, I, you could, in all fucking fairness, you could do a podcast and have no one even be able to contact you. Exactly. Uh, we could so, not have a Facebook page, not have a Twitter. But that being said, with all, without all that stuff, it's really going to slow your growth. How has the uh, Facebook been for you guys? Uh, it's a piece of shit. Because, like, okay, well, anyway. Twitter's good. Actually, YouTube is really good. Would you know why I like uh, what the reason that I really like Facebook is because I can share stuff to Twitter through it, and vice versa. I send my Twitter to Facebook and and back and forth. Oh, I didn't know that I could do that through there. Oh, I guess I could. Yeah. Works well, and you can even set it so that your mentions, so if you at someone, it won't go. Or if you retweet, it won't go. You can. There's a bunch of different settings where you can adjust it. But Facebook is slow compared to everything else. So you get a lot more messaging on, on the Twitter? Yeah. And email, Twitter and email, which I managed to detach from almost completely. I I only get probably one out of every ten emails to grab. So Graham pretty much handles all the emails. Yeah, which was never on purpose. But once it, I noticed it was going that way, I wasn't real eager to change it. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. See, I didn't never know that you guys worked together. I haven't heard you talk about that on the show, so... No, we keep all that shit pretty separate. Well, I can tell you that it would be interesting for your uh, your listeners. I mean, it certainly explains your dynamic more of, like, if somebody goes, why is, why, why is Darren being a dick to Graham today? Because I only hear him for an hour each week. If they go, oh, well, Graham called him 30 times today on the phone, and four times it was about the same thing, and Darren had to repeat himself seven times. Yeah. <laughs> you were there. And then you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> What's going on with C-SETI? We might get into that more at on probably around 200 or so. We'll do, we did a special like that for 101, so we might do something similar at 202. Yeah, it's cool because like what what I really enjoy about your podcast and the podcast like like listening to Joe Rogan, it's getting to know the people, getting to know Ari Shafir or you know Duncan Trussell or Brian Callen, you know or Bert Kreischer, where where you truly, I mean it's it's one of those weird things, but you 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 sit in on enough conversations and you actually start to get a good feel for people. You you get to know them. Yeah, I think that's so, the difference between podcasts and radio and television. Yeah, like I don't ever feel like I'm sitting in the room with Mulder and Scully solving an investigation. But if I'm sitting down listening to an unedited conversation where people are stumbling and talking about stupid shit, 
which, believe me, if you listen to the Joe Rogan experience, it's half brilliance and half just dog shit, <laughs> you know. But you're still entertained listening to that. And, like, somebody like, like me, and I know you, Darren, when I'm at work, I've always got my earbuds in listening to podcasts because I'm running, you know, heavy machinery. I need earbuds in anyways. You know, I'm doing, you know, like, just construction stuff. So having, you know, I don't really listen to music, but having a conversation running at the same time is is way more valuable for me. It's something about stimulating the brain at the same time, right? It's like you're having yeah, a conversation without having the conversation. Well, you you actually get to be part of a conversation. I yeah. mean, it's literally, what's the difference between you sitting down at a table or sitting in on a phone call except for you're not talking? Oh, exactly. It's like being in, uh, being listening to people in the booth next to you. Yeah. Or even like this, look at any celebrity or person that you've seen a thousand of their movies or, you know, somebody that you've heard talk a lot or a podcast you've listened to somebody a lot. I mean, you almost feel like you know them. And when you meet a person, you get you 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 have an almost knowing sense. It's it's very strange that you you have that strange attachment that you get without really being connected to the person. And I think that's what's so special about the unedited format of a podcast is it kind of gets you that real gritty conversation. Yeah, that's that, what I like about it. Darren, did you find it getting easier as you went along, though? Like, obviously, now you guys have done a ton of podcasts that you find it a lot easier so you can kind of relax into yourself a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Every well now I think I've just hit the point where you still I don't know Graham still gets nervous sometimes I said I sometimes maybe I do too not really maybe if someone's coming in studio it gets a little nervous sometimes a little nerve wracking yeah I just wonder what what point do you pass that threshold where you're no longer worried about it so you can just completely once you relax. get once you get called a fucking scumbag or a retard enough times that like you can just laugh at it. Oh, I should be almost there then. Yeah. Doing service work. Yeah, exactly. So like, once you get, once you get, I mean that, cause that's the only real fear you have is that people who listen are going to fucking not like it. There's nothing else really to worry about. I suppose that's well, your that's, only that's apprehension. That's the worst that happens. You can just delete your And then, and yeah, them. once you get to the point that you've got enough people that you know like it, that kind of just falls to the wayside. Yeah, it's strange how we talk about astral projection, all these kinds of things, but still get nervous talking on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Makes, Do you have sense. experience, Darren or Graham? Did he have experience in any broadcasting? No, the only experience I had was in I had experience recording stuff because I used to play a lot of quite a bit of music, bands and things like that, and record it. And what instruments do you play? I could play mostly guitars and basses or drums and probably play i've been trying to learn how to i just got a violin i'm gonna try and learn how to play with my daughter and i have okay. piano i mean i this can two part question so i'm segueing what's the best way to learn how to play guitar just practice i need to get a guitar because I have auditory synesthesia, and one of the things that I can also do is I can re like I can listen I listen to to music in my my mind. So like if I've heard a song, I can replay it. So that's why I never I don't always li I don't listen to music a ton because I always have it in my mind going. 
but I've wanted to do this because I can I can replay things in my head, perfect cadence, perfect memory, exactly as it sounds. In fact, sometimes I'll hear things like I'll be, you know, like listening to a song and then I'll hear something come on and I'll have I'll have to like switch the, the gears of my brain because it's literally like I'm hearing the same music. But I really want to learn how to play guitar now because I've been thinking that if I can learn to then transmit that back, I could replay any type of music exactly from my brain. Or, I mean, I fucking create songs and stuff in my head, but I've never really had the dexterity or the ability to to, to be able to put it out into any form. So that's one of my new passions is to try to learn how to play guitar. Yeah, that's all you can do is practice. You just got to get a guitar and practice. If you can, so there's no like videos or anything. It's just kind of just maybe sit down there, and, there could be now. I mean, when I learned how to play guitar, there was no YouTube or anything. I learned from my dad. You can uh, I learned the basics anyway, and then you can like tablature is pretty easy to learn how to read, so you can kind of cheat that way. I cheated that way. I can still do that from time to time. You can get apps. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because I can't, I mean, I can play by ear, or I can make stuff up, or I can read tablature, but I'm just learning, I've just started learning how to read sheet music. That's cool. Who was it that I listened to on a podcast that said they couldn't read sheet music? It was some musician. It was on the Joe Rogan Experience, I think. Anyway. Well, the reason I was going to, I asked about the experience because I was going to mention to Jared that I used to get really nervous in public and which, which makes no sense because I was in drama and then I decided to go into broadcasting school and I was doing radio ads and I was doing this one ad for, uh, for Sunoco and I had been doing it for like two or three months. But I had been reading the ad as Sunico, right? So I'm like, you know, for one of us, so Sunico. And it was for this radio station, WPSL usually. And they only had like a 1,000 or, you know, maybe 1,300 listeners at a time if it was lucky, you know, during like the day. But it was doing a traffic report. In the middle of one of my interviews of this or doing reading the traffic report, Natalie Nichols, one of the on-air reporters, clicks in on my mic and she goes, so, you know, it's reported Sunoco. And I'm like, and she's like, so you've been reading it wrong that whole time. For me, that was one of the most embarrassing and humiliating moments of my life. You know, just to be embarrassed on air. And fr- but it was so embarrassing and humiliating that it killed ever being embarrassed and humiliated again. It, like, yeah. burned it out of my system. Yeah, I suppose once you've had it, like, been rocked to your core almost like that, then it's going to be hard to uh, have that same feeling again. Well, yeah, it was like, I already know what it feels like, and it sucks. Yeah. Okay, that was the worst. All right. But, yeah, so that was, like, a really important moment in my life for having that kind of, and that's what got me over being nervous. So what you need to do is um, I suppose get one, Graham into the same type of situation. Once you release a <laughs> podcast on uh, Mushrooms. Oh, you need yeah. to Sorry get to lose it. Well, Graham's pretty good. Graham on I mean, Graham, and Graham, punch you in the face. Graham fucking told people he cried <laughs> listening to drums. I mean, he can't really get much more personal than that. That's pretty personal. And I'm pretty sure he didn't get a single bit of negative feedback. No. We don't get a lot of negative feedback on YouTube sometimes. Have you guys uh, thought about doing another Mushroom episode? I don't know. I've Sometimes I think about deleting the last one. 
How come? Legal reasons? Yeah, or just I don't. Reasons? I got kids and shit. You know what I mean? I don't want them listening to it. Maybe it's bad form. At least, at, least, uh, at, least at least not until they're old enough to uh, trip with you. Yeah, once it's on the internet, it's on there forever. Yeah, that's you the know, thing. I, even if I, but I mean, I could kind of if I took it down from Libsyn, it would you know stunt it quite a bit. I'm sure it's still around out there, but yeah, I but could stunt the it thing too. Yeah, talking about that specifically, at least from a moral standpoint, or any point that you're going to teach to a child. The compounds in there are also naturally occurring inside your brain. So, you know, you're talking about just, you know, ingesting things that you may be deficient in. Because I recently learned this, that um, there is actually cannabinoid deficiencies inside of the brain that people can have through genetic mutations. And they found this, meaning there are people that can have neurologic disorders cured by ingesting of cannabinoids because their body's not producing enough of them. Jesus Christ, somebody getting high can use it as a cure for a disease. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if there's the same type of thing with psilocybin and mushrooms, or there's even maybe some sort of micro um, nutritional value to it because we grew up in a climate where mushrooms would have been part of our natural diet. And if people weren't ingesting it, maybe those experiences um, – have some sort of long-lasting impression on us that's almost a symbiotic nutrient, if you will. So in other words, you know, te hiding it from your kids might just be more hiding the fucking societal, you know, stigma that's been placed on it, not the actual, you know, plant. Well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. I mean, because personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a plant. I think it's good for eat. you. Well, but at what age? <laughs> you know, you can't. Obviously, they're not going to take it. Up adult, you got to be an yeah. adult. Yeah, you got to be a full adult. You can't be obviously a kid or a teenager because that's going to uh, mess you up quite a bit. You got to be an adult. But as far as I'm concerned, if you're old enough to drink booze and piss yourself, oh yeah, then you're old enough to fucking eat some mushrooms and maybe if you're change old your enough entire to... outlook on the universe and your place in it. Listen, yeah. if you're old enough to cook yourself a meal and source your own food, then I think you're pretty fine going outside and picking something and eating it. I mean, it's that's the weird thing. These are things that are natural that we know have no real, you know, lasting uh, toxicity or permanent damage to the body. It's it's insane that you would even try to to mute something like that. It's like saying you can't eat pork. I suppose it's more like saying you can't eat apples. Well, it's anything, right? It comes from a. It's just saying you can't. Yeah. Why can't you? Because you're you know, a piece I, I mean, of I shit. can understand. Yeah, you can't pour nuclear radiation into a lake. Yeah, or you can't run down people with your car. Right. On purpose. Well, I think you but, can, but you really should. You yeah, well, you can't. You can, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, I think the real answer in, in all of these drug policy things, and, and, and you have to get through all the fucking money and the laws, but if you just started holding people accountable for their actions, it would be very easy. Because, look, if you go out and get high on meth or coke or crack or crank or pot or whatever the fuck, you get drunk and you do something stupid, 
You should be held accountable for those actions. You shouldn't be held accountable for actions that you never even took, things you never did, people you never hurt. You know, the idea that just because somebody's smoking meth means that they're going to rob a store. No. But if they do rob a store, you need to fucking lock them up or, or take care of it and offer them rehab or do it like Greenland's done where I think they have... It's either Greenland well, if or someone's Iceland. smoking meth, you should probably try and help them out. Well, anyway. do what they did. They, they, this is what they did. They dropped. You shouldn't throw their... them in jail, but they, you should help them out. People shouldn't be smoking meth. I agree. I think I'll have to look this up. It's either Greenland or Iceland had a problem with drugs, and instead of doing the thing where they just started incarcerating people, they started doing this thing where they started offering rehab for everybody, and. If you got a t so let's say you got caught with a drug, you got a ticket, and you had to pay a fine, but you are also given the option of going into rehab for free because your fine would pay part of that rehab, and they would offer that rehab up to anybody who wanted it, and they would supply you with you know all the resources for kicking the habit. Well, doing that and you know focusing less on the incarceration, they've dropped their their their. Uh, drug use by something like 50% and drop their crime by like 30, drug-related crimes by like, you know, 30 or 60%. And it's just by offering people the ability to have that, uh, the option of fixing themselves yeah, instead well, of just... It's totally treating it as a medical issue, not, not a criminal issue, right? That's exactly what it is. Exactly. And also being able to offer people... Uh, drugs and options that we know cure. Things like Ibogaine, which has a 75% cure rate as long as somebody follows it up with, with, um, with therapy. I mean, holy shit. You know, or you have, I think they're doing things over there maybe, I think with, they're starting to do MDMA tests again, just like we're doing over here um, in LSD tests. It's insane. <laughs> Yeah, that's some wild stuff, but it's, it's, I can't believe it's all coming back, though. This is ridiculous. It seems like a reemergence of the 60s, li like, literally, the reemergence. Everyone's starting to delve into the psychedelics a lot more, understanding them for what they really are, you know? Well, what I'm really fascinated with is this idea of synesthesia. A, because I have it, but also just... Does that mean Trump is JFK? I hope not. Synesthesia? Yeah. No, that the reemergence of the 60s. Oh, yes. Yeah, I really hope not. <laughs> the hairstyle, at least. That thing ain't changed. Yeah. But that what really what happens with psilocybin is it changes, or any of the psychedelics, they change the way that your brain syncs up. So your brain is, your different parts of your brain are always communicating with each other, and they have like a, har a harmony. Their frequencies are synced. But when you start taking these, these psychedelics, they cause these parts of the brains to become unsunk. So they're communicating at different levels and sending things in different places. So in a sense, your senses start to become crossed. And that's fascinating to me because that means that like what you're seeing isn't necessarily what you're seeing. What you're seeing is what your senses are allowing you to see. So when you have somebody that like looks at numbers where they can see like a whole, I talked about this before, but like a grid of like if you had like a, a printout of all number fives and one of those was a number two, you and I looking through it would have to look for the pattern difference. But somebody that has like a color synesthesia with letters, all of the number fives might look like chartreuse and then the, the number two looks like pink. So it's very time easy. Time numbers are red. 
Mm. Right, or things like that. So they very easily identify these things. Well, that's all your perception. You're seeing these things differently. And synesthesia does that. Well, when you go on psychedelics, well, maybe what it's doing is it's actually not making you hallucinate and making you see shit that isn't there. What it's making you see is differently. You're seeing a different frequency. You're seeing something else. You're seeing a different dimension. And then you look at these guys, like in this documentary, if you watch it, wake up. This guy's seeing other things. Maybe he's just got a permanent form of synesthesia. Because like they talked about, and, and I suspect that part of mine may come from this, when I read that book that there is injury-induced synesthesia from brain injuries, and they, they postulate that what can happen is that during a severe brain injury, that you can actually have some of your neurons die, but with the impact, they get pushed into another part of your brain that they weren't supposed to be. And that when neurons die, there's something inside those neurons that either as they're breaking down or regrow something, it causes new neurons to regrow in that place. So there's this idea that you can have brain damage, but that when those brain cells die, they kind of migrate and move over. And when they reemerge and cause new neurons to grow, they connect other parts of the brains together that aren't connected like everybody else's. So it's an artificially induced synesthesia. Or maybe kind of like a light part of what somebody might see on a mushroom or a connection. Huh. In other words, it, mushrooms may just be a natural way of seeing things that exist in a way we don't normally see them. They're yeah. definitely that. It seems to change everyone's perspective when they start taking them, right? That's what everybody says. I've never experienced them. so No, I neither have I, but I mean, I can only analyze from other people's perspectives and what they've said. They're worth a I, shot. I do know with me that, like, um, I get really bad migraines on occasion, and the last time that I got a bad migraine, I talked about it on the podcast. It was, it was really impactful because my entire perception changed. It was very strange. I felt like I was much taller. Everything had a different proportional size. And when I reached out to touch things, like my hand was a different size, the distance from my body was longer, and I would look at things like a lighter would have like almost like an oblong, like it looked like what you'd see in like the, the, the picture to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, where everything's you know, blobular or misshapen. It had a different perspective, a distortion, but it was weird because even though everything looked completely distorted to me, at the same time, every time I touched something, it was okay. It looked normal. I could feel I could move around in the world. It looked normal. The only reason that it looked so crazy and weird to me is because, you know, just, you know, an hour before things looked different. Now I attribute that to the fact that, you know, during migraines, you actually get swelling of the brain and, you know, you get increased blood pressure and all these other things that are happening. But it really, that, that experience made me understand that, wow, I'm having a completely, uh, uh, re-understanding of my physical environment. It is restructured and looks completely different from an experiential standpoint, but it's not that. There's something going on inside my brain, some sort of, you know, that, 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 that swelling that's probably causing this change of perception. And then that gets you down the rabbit hole, at least me, of going, well, how the hell do I know that what I perceive is any different than you and what you see is going to look the same as me? You don't. You don't even know if I'm really here or if I'm just part of your program. I don't. It's all gravity waves. You're my buzzkill. It's all gravity waves. 
Well, I gotta run, boys. I'd love to stick around, but six o'clock comes early. Yeah, no That's worries. Cool. This has been a blast. Yeah, yeah it's fun, dude. Thanks for having us on, guys. Yeah, absolutely, Jared. We'll keep in uh keep in touch. And the way I plan on doing this in the future is, I right now have a tentative date of twelve thirty. Okay. I think, or I, what am I saying? Twelve thirty every Thursday at like eleven o'clock Eastern Standard Time, ten thirty Eastern Standard Time PM. Yeah. Of just having it, so where I'm going to be online, and I'm just going to invite people on to talk. So whether if if Darren's free or whoever else, and the only thing I'm going to restrict on it is just I don't want it clogged up with too many people talking. So probably, you know, probably three or four people at a time. So I'm just going to kind of eventually set up a thing where I email everybody or send out a thing so we can all just kind of just be friends and chat and just kind of drop in as we want. And maybe somebody can call in if they got 10 minutes and make it just a real friend conversation. So yeah, it sounds great. Cool. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, absolutely, dude. All right. You boys have a good night. Yeah. Thanks, same Darren. for you. And uh, Jared, I'll, I'll keep in touch. Darren, I'll see you around. No worries. Thanks, Adam. Ciao. Yep, yep. Cool. Thanks, Thanks guys. again, Darren. Talk to you soon, mate. Ciao. Bye. And everybody, before we go here, I want to mention again, because I always fucking forget, Arcade High, awesome, awesome band, and they got a uh, an album coming out, uh, Kingdom, here. I don't know the exact release date, but it should be here soon. They keep posting promos for it, so. Be nice, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Adios.
Um, Star Trek fucking Replicator, three of them now. Four of them now. I had three, now I have four. Yeah, that's uh, just chaos in a nutshell. No, fucking bonkers. Um, Times 1.8 plus 32, so 20, 20. 20 is an 18. 20 becomes an 18. So that's 38. Plus another 32, so that'd be 70. Oh, fucking God, man. It's being recorded. You don't, you don't even know if I'm really here or if I'm just part of your program. <laughs>